Okay, main recording going. Let me put on some office mood lighting for Cortex. I didn't know you did that. Yeah, gotta gotta put on some mood lighting for Cortex. Okay. How do you Cortex? <laughs> Not with full bright office lights, surely. Yep, big overheads. Hate them, but you know, no choice. Really, <laughs> no, that's, that's terrible. You wanna you wanna have something a bit more chill for Cortex. Okay. Okay, so I'm recording. Where, okay, my notes, so I have them <laughs> put away the script for the nightmare of that has been my life for the last nine months yep. and open up Cortex show away. notes instead. Put that away. You don't want that right now. <laughs> Never think about that. <laughs> Do you know why, Gray? Why? Because it's time for State of the Apps. It is time for State of the Apps. State of the Apps 2023. Oh, no. <laughs> That's the first time I've thought about 2023. <laughs> I know. (laughs) So in our state of the apps episode every year, we take stock of the apps and services that we use on our devices for work, entertainment, just in general. Mm -hmm. We take a look at the things that we get value out of, the things that we're enjoying, sometimes maybe the things that we're not, but we can't get away from them. And we share them with you, the Cortexans. So this is like the one place you know you can go every year to understand what the tools that we're using to get our work done. And of course, we use this as an opportunity, the annual opportunity now to share our home screens, mm-hmm. which I actually think for me, I have a lot of home screens to share with you, Gray, today. Oh, how many home screens do you think you have to share? Well, it's actually, I have more lock screens than home screens. <laughs> so I have three home screens, as I tend to have. I also have, I think, three separate lock screens that I want to show you as well. Because mm-hmm. that's the one of the big changes, right? We have lock screen widgets now, which is the thing that we didn't have last time that we did stay of the apps yeah the ios 16 has brought a ton of yep. visual changes to home screens and lock screens i think I'm, I'm mostly loving it it's really nice to be able to do all of these customizations but yes i also had the same thing of like oh wait how many screenshots do yep. i need to take today uh before the show Ooh, a lot more than i have in the past i've got my selection ready i think i've got i've got the same thing i've got like three three and a half like different <laughs> ones to show how do you have half? That was half. Uh, Maybe I'll see when we get there. You know what I mean? Maybe we'll see. Yeah. <laughs> should we start with home screens? Yeah, I guess. I guess. Yeah, we should start with home screens and yeah. like focus modes and what's going on there because I feel like that's sort of the the like broadest way of how are we using our phones now after like a big change to this entire system on Apple's side. I would say the focus mode stuff I'm really pleased about. I, I really love what they did with focus modes this year, just making them so easy to set up now because mm-hmm. this was my main issue last time. You should set up a focus mode and you had to manually include every app and or person that could break through the focus mode. And for me... That's good for some stuff, but not good for everything. Like I didn't want to create, say, yeah. like a recording focus mode because I would set it up, say, one time. But then over time, as the apps that I use change, I would need to remember to manually include the ones that I wanted to break through. So now what I love mm. is that with iOS 16, you get to choose opt-in and opt-out. So you can say everyone and everything can contact me except these things. And so, like, having that optionality has been great for me in setting up a couple of different focus modes. I use some where it's opt-in and some where it's opt-out. It's actually made mm. me use focus modes a lot. I'm using them a lot now, which is not a thing I was doing before. Yeah, I, I feel like you really lucked out. It's like Apple addressed almost every single one of your issues directly, whatever the last time is. 
that we discussed this. And also, like with this whole focus mode system, I was just thinking about how this is what happens when like you introduce a new feature. But like Apple often takes a while to introduce a feature. And when they come out with it, like, oh, it's actually pretty good. And then we all fear, like, will they not touch it now for five years because they think it's good enough? And with this system, it's really nice to see that they've actually repeatedly touched the way that it works and made improvements every year. And cumulatively, that stuff really, like, it really adds up into smoothing out even just the smaller things, like your complaints about having everything be opt-in or opt-out. Just changing that little thing can really encourage users to pick up a system. So I'm very encouraged and very happy to see that it's it's been continually improved every year. And it's like this year, suddenly a bunch of stuff has really come together and made it very, very useful to people. So what are your focus modes, Mike? So my main focus modes that I have now, I have travel, recording, and I also have weekend and sleep. Hmm. So I'll start with the weekend and sleep ones Mm -hmm. because at the moment, all I'm doing with those is just to basically just remove Slack and Discord from there and I just have another widget in place instead. It just removes a couple of apps. It's not really that exciting. And it Mm -hmm. also locks me to just the one home screen. And I have these really set up as a notifications-focused stuff rather than home screen and lock screen stuff at the moment. So the key thing for me is email, Slack, Discord, all of those notifications get suppressed. So it's more about just de-emphasizing those applications. I don't remove my ability to access them, Mm -hmm. but I don't have them on my home screen anymore. And any notifications that I get, they get collected up into the like while in weekend focus thing. So if I pull my notifications down, I don't even see those immediately. I have to like actively go in to look at them. And it's more just about reminding me that when I've got weekend running, which is obviously every weekend, and when I've got Mm -hmm. sleep running, which sets in every night, that I should be using those apps and services less. So that's pretty simple for me, like as a as a thing. And I think I do want to set up some specific lock screens and home screens for these that are more focused, but I just haven't done that yet. It's really like the, the main thing for me there is just removing some work apps from my lock screen and de-emphasizing the notifications. And I also am sleep tracking now. So it was something I started doing in the past like month or so. And so I've wanted to set up the sleep focus to kind of get my devices in shape for that as well. So I'm using the Apple Watch to do the sleep tracking. Right. So you're, like you're having the weekend come on automatically and the, and the sleep come on automatically? Yeah. yeah. I don't use the like, they have that like sleep alarm thing i don't use that Mm -hmm. because i want to be able to manually set my alarms and so they still make sound on my phone and my watch Mm -hmm. so if you set the alarms manually it will still do that if you use apple's bedtime alarm thing it will only buzz the watch which is not enough for me to wake up i need both right but i do really like having the both like i think i'm being woken up more easily because the watch is an additional thing to help Mm. wake me up i've been enjoying that and I still want to go a little bit further, I think, into setting up some specific stuff. Like I saw, uh, as of the time of this recording, 16.2 is in beta. And the new medications feature of health, I really like. Uh, so I just mm-hmm. put like my medications in there. And they are making a lock screen medications widget to like note oh, the things huh. that you have got left to take. or have you know. So I think that that might be really nice for a sleep focus lock screen. 
mm-hmm. because it will be there and will be as a good reminder of like you need to take your pills before you go to bed. It's like a secondary thing. So I might set that yeah. one up when that feature becomes available. Yeah, I'm, I might give that a try too because I actually just, I just used the medications one for reminding me to take my vitamins. I thought like, oh, let me just put this in this little system here because for some reason like take my vitamins is the to-do list item that I will like blow off the most. I don't like, it's just so funny. My brain's like, yeah, sure. We'll do that. We'll just like check this off now and we'll get it in a second. And then we never do. Yep. So I thought like, oh, maybe if I try to put it in a completely different system, this will like help me. And it mostly does, but I, I still feel like the medications one, like I was thinking about someone who might actually have difficulty remembering to take medications mm-hmm. as opposed to me, who's just being like lazy and weird about it. I do feel like it, it needs to get turned up one notch in terms of aggressiveness and remindingness. And maybe the lock screen one is something interesting to try there. And just in terms of prominence of yes, before you go to bed, like here's a, here's a visual nudge. So like you did not log taking your vitamins today and you should do that. So that's interesting. I'll, I'll I'll definitely give that a try when it comes around. The medications feature in its current iteration works best for people that stay on top of their notifications like I do. Yes. So it works well for yeah. me because Adina hasn't enjoyed it very much because she doesn't manage her notifications like a wild person like I do. Like people don't manage their notifications the way that I do. Like I look at them all, I remove them, the ones that I don't want, I leave the ones that I want to deal with. That is not mm. how most people deal with their notifications. So the medicine no, no. can get lost in there. I think they should be pinning it. I think it should be pinned to the top of the lock screen until you do something to it. Yeah, I completely agree. That That's why I wanted to give it a test. Is like, ooh, how does this separate system work? And it does feel like this should not get lost in the list along with everything else. Mm-hmm. There there should be some kind of higher priority status for this one in particular. But, you know, hopefully that is also a feature that Apple continues to return to and make small improvements on oh, that yeah. can make a big difference. They do that all the time now. Yeah. All right. So the focuses that I've done the most with are travel and recording. So mm-hmm. I've got some screenshots for you here in the show notes. So my travel lock screen... I had previously had a travel home screen set up that we've mentioned before that it basically gives me a bunch more widgets, right? Like I use like a flighty widget and a Fantastical widget and a Tripsy widget, uh, as well as just like bringing the airline that I'm using. I put their app on the home screen and the wallet app, stuff like that, right? Like So that's like my travel home screen. I'll take a screenshot of that and put it in the show notes just for reference too, because I actually think that's a pretty good one. But I thought mm-hmm. I would build a travel lock screen to go alongside it. And so mm-hmm. what we've got is I'm using one of Apple's pre-built lock screen options that they have now. Mm-hmm. So they use this, they have this called Earth Detail. Yes, yes. Uh-huh. There's a couple of different options you can choose, but it's basically like an animated globe as such, right? Like I think it's using like the Apple Maps globe kind of thing. And you can choose to like have a zoom level on it. And what it's showing you at all times is where you are in the world. And I thought that that was pretty cool as like a travel lock screen because I would be somewhere else and my little dot would be in another place. So Mm -hmm. I thought that that looked pretty cool. And then I've got some specific lock screen widgets to go alongside it. So... We've got the flighty widget, like the flighty lock screen widget, carrot weather, and a widget smith based step counter, along with Fantastical across the top. And I thought that they were just like good at a glance things for my travel lock screen. 
Wait, so I'm very intrigued. What's the 44 days until? Which one? Which widget is that? That is flighty. Oh. And this is like a funny thing where I took these screenshots huh. like a month ago. We were going to talk about this in our previous episode, but we went ran way too long. So I just have reused right, right. the screenshots. I didn't realize that flighty will do the call down thing because, of course, Mike, I'm with you. This is obviously the best lock screen to use for any kind of travel mode. So I've done the exact same thing and huh. I put flighty on the top as well. It's like, yes, obviously, that's the one you should pick. Like, I think that they basically made this one to be for a travel focus mode. Like, it's got to be, right? That's what someone put it there for. It's perfect. I have Flighty on it as well, but I just didn't know that there was a countdown because I just booked my flights to America like two days ago and I haven't actually put them into Flighty yet. So I didn't realize that it does like a cool countdown days until flight thing. So that's really nice. I didn't know that. Can I ask what's the thing that you blurred out on the very top? That's the Fantastical one that's blurred out of like what yeah. the next event is. That's the mm. next event. Whatever it was, okay. I didn't want everyone to know what, what it was. <laughs> Right, but it's t- it's too long ago now. You can't remember. I can send you mine so you can see that we've basically done the exact same thing for the travel screens because I think it's just it's just obviously the most sensible one to do. Oh yeah, look at that. All right, so you've got oh that's a good idea. You've got your AirPods Max battery on there. Yeah. Mm, I might steal that because that's when I care about the battery for those things the most is when I'm traveling. Yeah. For me, the lock screen widget that is the battery where it automatically picks which thing to show you to me is like clearly the best lock screen widget and should be by default in like every single one of them. I think it's it's like the most sensible place to show battery status for something that you probably care about. I don't know quite what their algorithm is for rotating between things. It doesn't seem like perfect, but it's good enough. And I love it for keeping an eye on like, oh, my headphones in my office are unplugged. And I can see now that like they run low because like that's the one that that starts showing up. So, yeah. And I feel like especially when you're traveling, the I need to keep track of how charged everything is, is like super high priority and feels like it just has to be on a lock screen for travel. You know you can choose, though, right? Okay, so we can get to that in a second. Yes, I know that you can force an item, but I think leaving it on auto is is mostly the sensible decision. Okay, I'm going to try on auto because my AirPods Max are not here and they're not paired to my phone right now. It seems so. Let me make the change, uh, but I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna use that. I did have a little complaint that I wanted to levy for focus modes, mm? which is the switching between focus modes. So let's imagine. I am traveling on the weekend. So I have my weekend focus mode automatically enabled. And I want to manually switch to my travel focus mode, right? Because I'm in transit. But then when Mm -hmm. I arrive at my destination, I would like to turn off that focus mode. But I would like it to go to the previously enabled focus mode rather than the default. Because mm. this also happens that like if I have my travel focus mode on and the weekend comes around during the travel, it's going to flip over to weekend, which is not what I want. Right. Mm. So I would like to be able to, once you enable a focus mode, once it turns off, even if it's turning off by like an automation of some kind, that it goes back to the previous one. 
Yeah, we're slightly jumping ahead to the app recommendation section of the show, but I, there's a there's an app which I've been using. I've been trialing with shortcuts just a little bit, but it's called Data Jar, and it's an app that lets you like store information permanently, like as a little variable outside the shortcut system. And I have actually been trying to solve this exact problem with that. And I think it should be you should be able to have Data Jar remember. Not what is the current focus mode, but what is the last focus mode. I've already set it up. So it's like, oh, yes, I can definitely have this little app remember what the previous one was. And I'm just now trying to work through the, okay, so when I turn something off, I want you to check with data jar for what the last one was and then go to that instead of wow uh, by default opening up the phone that sounds like it's going to be really complicated to set up no though. data jar is actually really simple like i just came across it so i haven't had a, a huge chance to play with it but i think it's like it is exactly for these kinds of problems where there's some sort of automation that it depends on what was something like a little while ago, not just what is the current state of everything now. So I've been kind of toying around with it, but it's like one of my, ooh, this can be a really interesting app for automation going forward in oh. 2023. And this feels like exactly the kind of problem that I think could be able to be solved for it. I'll mention that now as uh, as a little preview for the app section. Bit by Simon Stovering. Made Scriptable, which I know is an app that's very popular. Oh, they're the same people who made Scriptable. Yeah. Okay, that makes sense. That makes sense. I didn't realize. My recording lock screen uh, and focus mode is the one that I use the most. So okay. I had a recording focus mode set up for a while, and it basically turns off all notifications when I'm recording a show. And I usually enable this. I have a shortcut that turns on my recording focus for X amount of hours and sets a timer for me for the specific show that I'm doing. Mm -hmm. I was using that before, but now I get to tie in a lock screen to it, which has been really good because of the always-on display. So when I'm recording, I put my phone in a dock. I have a material dock from Studio Neat. I put it in there. It just stands and just stands there. So it's just off to the side. Mm -hmm. And so I thought, well, what kind of information might I want when I'm recording a show. And so I have a couple of widgets there. I have the calendar one again. I have my timery lock screen widgets. Mm -hmm. And then I have a world clock built with Widgetsmith with a few different locations. Oh, that's how you, okay, that's how you did it. I was yeah. looking at that thinking like, oh, this this layout of the widgets is a little bit funny, but you're using Widgetsmith yeah. to show the three different ones. Ah, okay, right. So it's two two-sized ones. It's not four, right? Okay. Yeah, but the way that Widgetsmith lets you do it, you can have more locations than that, but I felt like three looked visually good, and that's what I need the most. It's just like the, the mm. American time zones. And then for this one, I'm using the Photo Shuffle lock screen. So it's a lock screen that basically another one that Apple made where every time you lock the phone or unlock the phone, it changes the image, and you can mm. do people, places, and buildings, for this why not dogs dogs apple come on let me see <laughs> like, do they have a dogs one i'd be surprised if they didn't but you have some customization for how the mm. photo shuffle works yes yeah, people nature and cities they're your categories mm. but with the people one you can choose specific people 
that ah, you wanted to that's show. That's good. Okay. So yeah. I set mine up to just be pictures of my wife. And so it just cycles through the Faces album or whatever that I have of her there. I enjoy that. And it's also visually different enough that I realize kind of like that I'm in my recording focus, which I also just like as like a visual. So that one's a really good one too. Can you select multiple people under the people option or is it just one person at a time? I think you can set multiple people, which will probably help with the dogs thing. Because I think you could set animals or am I I remembering iPhoto? I think I'm. No, you're you're remembering what I told you. iPhoto used to do ten years ago. Yeah. It's still a bee in my bonnet. About there you go. That's why that's in my mind. Yeah. <laughs> I put that there, right? You're you're, you're having like mm-hmm. implanted memories now. But no, I was thinking for your recording lock screen, Mike. You should obviously. I mean, like your wife is lovely, but you should have it rotate through photos of all of your co-hosts for the recording ones. Like that's what you should be doing, right? You know what? That's actually not a bad idea. Yeah, I think you should do that. It should it should be all the people that you co-host pod- podcasts with. That's why I wanted to know if it can do multiple ones. I could be smiling at you right now from your <laughs> long screen. <laughs> I do have a few photos of you smiling. That is true. <laughs> it would be extra good if it could just like pick out the specific people that I'm recording with at any one time. But then I would need an obscene <laughs> amount of focus modes to be set up to do that. And there's actually a limit of 10. I don't know if you knew I that, did not know this that. Is, this is like a small thing that I bumped into, which I do find slightly infuriating. But pre-iOS 16, there wasn't a limit on focus modes. And iOS 16, they introduced a limit of 10, which is actually a little bit tighter than you think because it includes the two ones that are there by default, or the three that are there by default. Do not disturb, driving, and sleep. So it's really a limit of seven that you can choose. But like, I kind of wonder if that was like, oh, this is there because of two people, Federico Vitici and me, like put, sending in like a million focus modes. Yeah. And they're like, no, 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 right? This is too many. But yeah, it was actually confirmed by Apple that that was not a bug. Like that was an engineering decision that that they had made that they were going to limit it to 10 it's wild because you can set up 200 custom lock screens so why can you only do 10 focus modes yeah <laughs> there it, must I've, be I've, some I've... ui issue that like there's an area of the ui that like maybe the the control center thing where they don't want to scroll no but that doesn't make sense because i already scroll on there I must have reason I, I find this stuff super frustrating and it's extra frustrating when it used to be one way and then it goes the other way it kind of reminds me of a thing that they did eventually remove but there used to be a limit of 100 vips on Mm. mail and it was like again it's like clear that someone just like picked a number that they thought was really big that no one would surpass and i think like me and gruber were complaining about that like oh depending on how you run your email like that's extremely frustrating to have this limit for absolutely no reason so anyway just like fyi to anyone out there who's like i'm gonna do a focus mode for everything no you're not like you're gonna pick seven that's what you're gonna pick well i mean you can do everything if you have 10 things right yeah if you have seven things can't you change the like because i don't have the driving one Uh, are you sure you want to take a look? Like I'm, I thought that was like hard coded in there that you couldn't get rid of the driving. Do one. not disturb fitness, recording, sleep, travel, weekend. That's so weird. Have you never driven? I remember removing it, but that was probably last year. Oh, that's interesting. Okay, all right. So I'm just look. I'm just looking now. So I mean, driving I will leave on there because when I'm in America, I do drive and I do find it useful to have. But the driving one is different, so you can delete that focus mode. Right. But do not disturb and sleep you can't. are hard-coded in. Yeah. You can't get rid of those. 
Okay, that's interesting. Okay, so if if you don't drive, you can have eight. I didn't realize that. Interesting. The last one I have to show you, lock screens, is just my regular lock screen. It's not too dissimilar from the other ones that I have. I have Fantastic Owls, the main on the top, right? It's like the, the one big one on the top, along with Carrot Weather, Timery, and a step mm. counter in Widgetsmith. That's my kind of like main lock screen, which is not tied to focus modes. Okay, so that's the like the default open one yeah. there. Yeah. Right. Okay. So what do you I want to see yours now. You do you have do you want to show me focus mode ones first? I've seen the travel one. Do you have any others? Yes. I'm also I'm also having like a I'm having a funny situation in my office. So I've been really trying to do like home automation this year oh. and partly with the lights and things. But for this show, while I keep flipping through the focus modes to look at things while we're talking, the lights <laughs> in my office are going crazy, right? So it's like I wanted I wanted all of these like chill i wanted like the chillest version of the lights where it's like i have everything real down low and i pick these like blues and greens and it's very lovely but then every every time it's like oh i went into sleep mode the office is completely dark no i didn't want that oh i went to travel mode the the lights went completely white and bright i'm flicking around (laughs) taking screenshots on my 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 mac is like you're traveling i'm like i'm not i'm not traveling (laughs) mac stop it that's funny i i guess if if i've done that stuff and i don't remember things are flying off the handle all over the place That's really funny. Yeah, so it's just like automation is great, but it's it's like when you are talking about automation and rapidly flipping through a bunch of things, like it starts to get weird. And every time the office lights either completely go away or turn all the way on, it's like, oh, you're a real mood killer here, office lights. But that is also <laughs> part of the thing I'm trying to do with data jar is to like smooth that stuff out. Like don't just look at the state of things right now. Remember like what were things like five minutes ago and maybe chill out and don't change things if you don't need to. Okay, so let me send you some of my stuff. I already sent you my sleep lock screen and home screen, which I just basically have as empty as possible and just pick it as like dark red for go to sleep now. Like this is time uh, to go to Oh, that's bed. what they are. Because, okay, a, a minute ago I saw that I had a, a, two images from Gray. One was a, a, a blank lock screen with a couple of widgets on and one was a completely blank home screen. And I was like, oh, here we go again. <laughs> Maybe I'm going to find out later on that your actual lock screen is like this again, but I didn't want to react to it in the moment because I, it would have like destroyed the flow of the episode. Uh, but maybe we'll get back to that later on. So this is your... So it's not black. It's like a red because that's good for eyes, right? I've, I've learned recently. Yeah, I, I think red, like a really dark red just works well at night. And I actually picked the, little, the real dark red because it sort of makes the contrast with the icons on the bottom less. Like the icons on the bottom seem brighter if there's absolutely no color on the home screen. Mm. So that that's just why I have it kind of set as this like gradient red that they allow. So my like sleep lock screen and home screen are super boring. There's a thing that's happening there though. So if you look at the sleep lock home screen, there's a funny bug that happens with this little battery meter, the automatic battery one. If you pick the lock screen widget, to be the little circle battery. Yeah. But like I do, it's like, you know what I want? One of them I want to be the watch. Like I always want to know the watch before I'm going to bed just to keep an eye on it. Like, ooh, do I need to charge it up a little bit before I go to sleep? But if you have one of them manually set to the watch, the automatic one, I think it's like built in by default that it kind of like always goes to the watch if it doesn't know what to do. And so you end up with these two little watches. I was going to ask why you had two <laughs> right? watch battery. Theft. Like, right? is one a backup like check? Like what is going on here? <laughs> 
Yeah. And it like, it creates this little, like, the phone is looking at you kind of, kind of. Oh, uh, it's, look a on it. it's a face. It's a face. It's a little bit like a face. And it's extremely hard to screenshot. So that I'm going to send you something that I was trying to catch, like, just while we're recording, while we're talking about this, like, funny bug. So here is just like the top of my work home screen where I have the same thing where it's like, this is like the, how the phone would look for me in the morning. There's two battery icons, one of which I want to set to the watch in the morning. So I always know if to charge it. And one is the automatic other one, uh -huh. but it very often, like when the phone is just sitting there defaults to having both of them. And I put the activity thing in the center and then it really creates this like little face going, Ooh, like oh, yeah, looking you've at got me this, all like, day. This lock screen. <laughs> Has got like a like it's like a, a rectangle. It's like the mouth to me. Yeah, yeah. The act, the activity in the center is is like a funny a funny thing. Like Apple dims the circles on the activity meter in a way that I find really frustrating. It's like performative privacy of like, ooh, if your phone is locked, we don't want anyone to know how active you've been today if they found the phone, which is like, please, Apple, like no one cares about this. This is just you like going out of your way mm. to show me how much you care about my privacy when like I'd much rather prefer that you encrypted my iCloud messages even if I used iCloud backup and like not, you know, prevented people from knowing if i exercise this morning or not can i just double down and say because you brought that up and that's like one of my big bugbears and i 100 percent agree with you and i think it's absolutely ridiculous that they have not made that a thing it's like yeah. you can look into this maybe you didn't know cortexans but if you use iMessage in the cloud it's called it like backs up your iMessages syncs them across you're no longer end-to-end -end encrypted there is an encryption key that apple holds and yeah there is a bunch of technical reasons as to why they do this, but I don't care. <laughs> I want yeah. I want the encryption. Like if you want to yeah. have encryption, you can't have iMessage backup. And this isn't the case for a bunch of other things. With health, it's that's not the case. Mm -hmm. They don't hold the keys for that, but they hold the keys for iMessage, and I want them to change that. So thank you for bringing that up. Yeah, I mean, th since this is a very Apple-focused episode, that to me is... I think it's kind of the worst thing that Apple does. And I think it makes all of their messaging about privacy sound like a lie to me, which is the thing that everyone cares the most about. I mean, I bet a lot of people would care way more about their iMessages than their photos, right? Like those have got to be the top two. Yeah. But I think there are a lot of people who it's like, hey, you have to pick one of these two to be leaked to the world. Your iMessages or your photos. I think a lot more people would rather have their photos leaked than their iMessages leaked. I think so. I would. Yeah. But yeah, so when when I found out, I was like, oh, Apple doesn't actually end-to-end -end encrypt your iMessages if you use iCloud backup, which they extremely push you to do for good reasons. I was mm -hmm. like, that is appalling. Like, I'm totally appalled by this. And it really gets under my skin every time Apple talks about how they care about privacy. And it's like, yeah, you're not saying out loud the one thing that people care about the most. So when I first found out about it, I was like, oh my God, right? And I turned off iCloud backup on all of my devices and I was using just like the local backup on your computer. But then I realized... 
oh, it doesn't matter at all because if the person I'm talking with uses iCloud backup, like it hasn't prevented anything here. Yep. So great. Like I'm just, so I went back to using iCloud backup and I just live with it, but I really hate it. But it is also why like I call the activity ring hiding on the lock screen, like performative privacy. It's a thing that absolutely no one cares about, but I think Apple does because it's like, Look at us keeping an eye on your privacy. We'll, we'll keep this private health data, how many times you've stood up today, you know, hidden on your lock screen until it is unlocked. And I find it annoying because then every time I look at the lock screen, like the little circles then color in. And I would like the whole purpose of having it there is I just want to see the information. I don't only want to see the information when the screen is unlocked. But so anyway, complaining about Apple privacy aside, here is what that actual lock screen looks like. So to me, this is the like the most important how my phone looks mode. And this is what I call core, which is my like morning work. And this is the most, I mean, I guess aside from sleep, this is the most lockdown mode of like, I don't want to get messages from anybody. This is how the phone should default on any of my work days. Nothing gets through and I just want to have it be entirely work focused. So I just have the couple of battery icons there because I want to keep an eye on like the headphones. And like I said, I want to have the watch to know how charged it is. I do like having activity there because I often do most of my like actual exercise in the morning. So I feel like that's kind of part of the of what I'm doing for the core stuff. And then on my home screen, I don't use a bunch of apps. I just have like the, the widgets for OmniFocus to show me like the top level stuff that I should be doing. And then I have Timery, which is giving me like a report for today and the last X days. So I can just kind of keep an eye on like, ooh, how am I actually doing in terms of, of work, both for now and over the recent past? So this is how I'm setting up like my core focus mode. So this is core focus mode. Okay, so this is a focus mode. It's a pairing of the two. Is that like yeah. your mind spaceship you? Is that what this is? Oh, yeah, it's not really on purpose. The, okay. Yeah, the, the lock screen is just like, it is it is from NASA, and I think it's the inside of a satellite. I just kind of think it it looks cool, and I just I yeah, strongly associate blue with, like, all the important work. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, it wasn't intentionally Spaceship U, but it's, like, Spaceship U adjacent. I couldn't personally use this image because it doesn't line up, that line from the top. I know. Okay. Yeah, I know. Cool, I know. Cool, cool. I've actually... <laughs> I couldn't do it. I, I couldn't do it. <laughs> Because it's too close. That's the problem. Yeah. For listeners, there's a little bit of like a vertical line, which is like very close, but not quite lined up. Yeah. It has been on my mind at some point I'm going to like get this from the, uh, it was like NASA's Instagram or whatever and like load it into Photoshop and actually adjust it because I do like it enough that it's worth fixing around. But I originally just set this when I was when I was like starting to play around with the focus modes and feeling like, mm -hmm. ooh, what am I going to use? What am I not going to use? And this one has just kind of stuck. But yes, I will at some point fix that alignment issue because you're not wrong. It's super annoying that it doesn't quite go right down the center. And I also feel like with the new dynamic island at the top, it like extra highlights it. Like when yes. I first set this up, it wasn't yes. there. But now the dynamic <laughs> island is really like letting you know, like, hey, buddy, you can see how not in the middle this is. Oh, that's really rough. <laughs> so you have just the one home screen here. Yeah, timery on executor. Uh, ex executor. That's that's the way. Is I think that a project right. name? Um, no, I, that's just like the word that I have used for a subset of OmniFocus tasks, which are not project specific. Mm -hmm. They are just the this is what you should do ideally every morning. So they're things mm. like okay, 
here's me running through like getting the office set up every morning. And then it just lists depending on what day it is, which thing I should be doing. So it's like, okay, this is the day where you should be walking on the treadmill for an hour and a half while you talk the script out loud. And then like after that, you should exercise for this amount of time. And then you should do another draft at the computer sitting down for this amount of time. And then it's like take a 20 minute break and then it's admin. It's sort of like running through what is the theoretical best list of things to do without being project specific on any one of them. So it's like right. it's like nudging me in the correct order of the routine. And so I don't like I feel like it's like executive, like the top level of tasks is kind of why I named it that way. But I've been using this for years and years as a non-project specific reminder list for what you should be doing first thing in the morning. Okay. So like you, that alternates for me with like a weekend focus. Here's the other one. Oh, very leafy. Yeah. So I, I want to have like two strong colors to, mm. again, just like set up environmentally. Like how should the day feel? Like I'm just a, I'm a big believer in trying to like make everything kind of go along with a certain way. And so for me, green has always been really associated with like, oh, this is the personal time. And so I, ha I have it set up with the home automation stuff and with a bunch of shortcuts. If it's Wednesday or I'm now doing Saturday as my other weekend day, like this is the way the phone starts in the morning, which again, is just like a nice visual reminder of like, this should be a day off. And again, I like to keep the lock screen reasonably simple, but I feel like for days off, I'm much more likely to go outside. So I just have a couple of weather widgets on there, mainly knowing for like, if I'm going to take a bike ride, I want to know what like the chance of rain is going to be like for the day. Mm. And that's also why on my actual home screen, I have a carrot weather thing like big and on the top, because that's also just useful for, oh, or like my wife and I, are we going to go out to the park? Are we going to go somewhere? Or is it going to be an indoor sort of day? So I just like to have the weather big and prominent. And it, again, it's also there to kind of nudge me in the remind direction that's like, it's the weekend. Maybe you should go outside because you yeah. often don't on work days. Yeah. If Carrot's saying it's a beautiful day, dude, you should take advantage of that. I mean, and who wouldn't want to jump in this bush that you've got here on the home screen? You know what I mean? <laughs> Big green bush. With like, I yeah. will say, the thing about this bush, it's like beautiful and green on the top, but there is like the abyss beneath it. <laughs> Do you feel slightly threatened by my lock screen image? Is that what a you're saying? A little bit. I, I like, don't like how dark okay. it is between the leaves in this image. Well, nature is very scary, Mike. Even when it's beautiful, it's terrifying. I guess it's like this home screen is like, go outside, but beware. <laughs> you know? Like, <laughs> yeah. I want you to go. Like, you the phone's like, you should go outside, but just be careful. You know? I get mm -hmm. that. That's a good, that's a good balance. <laughs> <laughs> I will. I will question. I, mean, I guess not, it's not for you, right? Like that you have on the home screen that you sent me. There are two timery widgets, and what my initial thought was like: Do you want to be tracking your time that much on the weekend? But then I remembered you're always tracking your time, right? Like that's the difference between me and you. So yeah. So I have it slightly differently set up. Like it's not as prominent, but it's this thing of yeah. I do always track my time, and that's partly. Again, because I am using it as like a reminder for how I should be. And so the two timery trackers on my weekend home screen are the same thing where I have one that's set up to track how is today doing. And then the bottom one tracks like this, a certain X number of past days. And what I'm always trying to do is like approach a theoretical optimal thing. And so what I want to see is, oh, as the day is going on, 
on the weekend day, my today timery should be filling up with stuff that it doesn't fill up with during the weekday. So it's like, oh, there's actually, uh, I've added something this year. This is again, jumping ahead, but I'll just mention it now where I track how much time I spend with my wife. But this year I realized, oh, you know what? I'm going to break out a separate category, which is like with wife, but outside of the house as a little timer. And so I really like having this as like a separate kind of thing to track. It's like tracking a kind of high quality time. And so I just want to see like, oh, if in the past 10 days, the time with wife time has like racked up very high, but none of it has been outside of the house. It's just like a little nudge on the weekend. Like, Mm -hmm. hey, maybe we should get out of here and go do something. So that's why I do have the timery timers like really prominent because I'm, I'm always trying to match like, the last X days is getting affected by time recorded today. And you want to always try to like approach the optimal of how things should be. So the weekend days should be adding like different weekend activities like reading or going outside or taking a bike ride. And then the work days should be adding workday stuff. And so that that's why I do uh, keep it around there. Okay, that makes a lot of sense. And then I just have an OmniFocus one, which is like, available tasks because sometimes there's like just stuff that you need to do that's like not work stuff and weekend days are days that it makes sense to do that so that's why i have OmniFocus available there we went through the travel one that's the work one i got a couple others that are not interesting to talk about just because it's like admin it's basically the same thing i do have a um i didn't screenshot it because it's not visually interesting but i'm i'm trying to have the phone be always in a focus mode i feel like this is probably the best way to think about stuff and so one thing i did set was a focus mode that i call open where it is the phone is open to all messages from everyone wow you enable that like for 20 minutes once a year uh yes so that's like oh i'm expecting a call from someone who's not in my phone book or whatever and so that's like Ah, i can throw it into the open mode because that is a thing that comes up every once in a while of like oh you're expecting someone to contact you but for whatever reason you don't know in advance their contact information Mm -hmm. or whatever Mm -hmm. so i've gotten kind of caught out by that sometimes and so it's like okay i have an open mode it's like you're waiting for a call back from your internet provider or whatever right it's like you don't yeah know exactly that use, exactly that kind open. of thing yeah mm-hmm. yeah yeah like oh there's a plumber coming to the house maybe and he might call you who knows that that kind yeah. of thing and i just i just use apple's like default moon they have a, a picture of the moon because it feels like oh my god if it's open you're just like floating in space vulnerable to anyone at any point in time so that's the image that i use for that interesting but the other one that i think you might enjoy i'll send this through is i have a focus mode called holiday (laughs) eastbourne receding baby now this is fun so the thing about holidays is that they should be novel right things should feel different when you're on a holiday than they feel normally you were the little Um, love heart on the the (laughs) holiday name there that's cute yeah well it's also because like that's usually i'm spending that with my wife and so it's like we're off somewhere and the holiday one it's set basically so that it's like my wife can contact me, family can contact me, and if I'm traveling with friends, like those friends can contact me, but I specifically turn off like everything that's work related for the holiday stuff. And so in the screenshot that I have for Mike here, I have like a fun uh, sort of pink sand background. 
which I've just used as the default. Like this looks really different for my wife and I have done a couple of weekends away this year. And so it's just like flip it into holiday mode. And then for the couple of trips that I've done, this is pre-focus mode, but I was still using shortcuts to do it. I had the holiday mode, like pick a wallpaper that matches the trip. So when I was in Hawaii, like I had a very Hawaii shirt kind of background. And Mm. when I was in Norway, I had like a snowy, icy background. And I don't know, like this may sound dumb, but I really think there's a lot of value in even just like silly novelty on devices that are with you all the time. And so like when I've done a weekend away and my phone is ridiculously pink, it somehow helps make that little mini trip like feel more different during the time. And it's again, like a visual reminder of like, this is how you're spending your time. You're focused on this, this weird holiday. It's even why I pick like this strange font for the time. It's like, I just want everything different. I probably should change the little battery widgets, which is on the home screen. That's not useful anymore, but I just haven't had the system come in since focus came out. So that'll get swapped out with something. There's the weather, because that's what you want to know on holidays. I have the maps on the bottom, which I've completely blacked out because obviously it shows your exact current location, but that's super useful when you're on holidays. And then I've mentioned this before, but I, I do find it really useful that when you're on a trip with someone, it just feels like you end up with a bunch of these weird little like, oh, we need to pick up some aspirin for from booths kind of errands that like the two of you have while you're on like this little trip. And so my wife and I have a like shared errands list that gets used a lot during holidays of like, oh, let's not forget when we go here to pick up that thing. Mm -hmm. And so I just like to have that on the reminders list. And it's just like, as soon as we started doing it, it's crazy how much it gets used and also just how much nicer it can make the trip that like, oh, both of us, we can remember to do this thing or she can add something to the list for me to do. So it's not always pink. It'll be different if I go somewhere else. But this is uh, this is my holiday focus mode. So I thought you might appreciate this one, Mike. I do. I like it a lot. I like how bright it is. <laughs> the shared errands is smart, too. I guess maybe it's just uh, luck that it matches up color-wise with the home screen. No, no. You, you can pick it. You can pick reminder list colors. But, but, like, do you change it to, like, thematically work with the current home screen for that trip? Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I did that when we were in Hawaii. Like, oh. the Hawaii lock screen was, like, largely green. So, I just changed the little thing to be green. So I love yeah. it. Gotta color coordinate, Mike. I love how aesthetic you are here. It's great. This is awesome. <laughs> okay, you go. Well, it's, it's interesting because I think with this focus mode system that Apple's introduced, I also try to have my watch match all of this stuff. And I used to do this with shortcuts, where when you change focus modes, you could have shortcuts sort of change stuff for you. But boy, was that a giant pain in the butt. And I just like Apple's made it a hundred times easier now to do this. And so it feels like, why not take advantage of it? And I really do think it makes the phone much better. And for me, this also feels a bit like almost validation of years ago. I was I was just talking about how like I think this is really important for devices that you have with you like all the time to try to make them different. And, you know, in early episodes of Cortex, I know I got a lot of flack from people thinking I was crazy for having like. Oh, there's two iPads, like a work iPad and a personal iPad. And people are like, what are you doing that for? And now, like, software-wise, Apple has made this possible more and more on your devices. And I just, like, I love it. I think it's great. 
and I can't wait for this to get rolled out, presumably to the iPad, I don't know, maybe next year and like max the year after or something, but it's so good. Like I'm I'm just so happy that Apple has has introduced this and it's really nice to be able to have the home screens themselves change. Like that's a feature I was never even really asking for. Mm. And it was sort of around in the last version, but again it was like fiddly and hard to do. But now with the focus modes being able to switch the actual home screens themselves, it's great. I love it. Two thumbs up for this whole system. And if listeners haven't tried focus modes, you should totally try it. Like just I think the very basic one of like, what's a work day like and what's a weekend day like and then what's, you know, the afternoon. Like those are the basic ones and set them up and give them a try and, you know, pick different fun lock screens so that it just looks visually different. I think it really adds something to your life. And doubly so now that there's like an always on screen for the phones. Like it's just increasingly present in this way. So shall we do home screens themselves now? I don't really have home screens to show you, right? Because what like what we've gone through here is basically everything on my home screens. So. Okay, so there are no apps anymore. It's it's either yeah. widgets or nothing, right? Okay, so you've I've yeah. seen them all. I understand. I understand. So like, right. if you're I get it. You've now, seen right? everything, Mike. <laughs> oh, if you're always in a focus mode, there is no home screen anymore. It's always what is yeah. relevant. All right, that makes sense. Yes. So that's what I've done. I've kind of simplified away the home screen stuff. And I'm just really using my phone to display whatever relevant information is in whatever mode. Like, we can cover my home screen in three seconds, which is that I have three little buttons in my dock that I've slightly changed from last year. And those buttons are make a new note in notes. Mm -hmm. The center one is for OmniFocus, which opens up a general list of, I have a reminder, and then it asks me a couple of questions, like, is this a due date reminder? Is this a flag reminder? Oh, it's it's an add. It's to add to a list. Yes. So it's to add to a list. Mm. Yeah. The three on the bottom are purely input. So the middle one is for OmniFocus, and then it asks a bunch of questions so it knows properly where to sort things. And then uh, the microphone one is for Cortex. I've Like, I've just found it, like... A thing this year to really try to streamline oh if i have a random thought just add it to the cortex list mm. and i use it enough that i thought oh it makes sense just to put on the dock so that's it like that's the entirety of my home screen a bunch of widgets and three input methods notes omnifocus and cortex which is going to a reminders list and that's it well Speaking on behalf of Cortex Brand, Cortex Brand is on it. <laughs> Cortex, the podcast, will occupy one of three buttons in your dock. Yeah, occupying the most limited real estate. All right, what's your home screen look like, Mike? All right, so I have an image for you. It's of my mm -hmm. three home screens that are like my typical. These are what I use. This is how I usually will run my phone when it's not in a focus mode. And most of my focus modes are still pulling from this in some way. So like... I mentioned I had like a travel lock screen earlier. The travel mm -hmm. lock screen just takes over the first of these three lock screens. And then I have the other two still enabled. It's just changing mm, out one okay. or the other, right? So I think a lot of this will be mostly unchanged from how it's been in past years, to be honest. Mm -hmm. um, so I don't know if there's much excitement in here 
for you to pick apart, but who knows what you might find. Yeah, I feel like this is pretty similar to last mm-hmm. time. You still got that fantastic wallpaper, which I always like, which is from yeah. the hotel in California? Uh, yeah, Beverly Hills Hotel. Right, okay, very fancy. In the in the little diner down there, which I love. I think, it, what is the Cortex brand widget? That's Craft. That is Craft, okay. That's where so I that's keep all my was. notes, and I'm going to talk about Craft later on, but that is like mm. how I can quickly get into notes. I don't have the, you notice I don't have the Craft icon, anywhere on my home screens and this kind of serves right. double duty of like one letting me launch the app quickly or two mm. there's like the four most recently used notes and they tend to be the ones that i need most often like little things that i'm keeping track of or the current project that we're working on and then i can just jump mm. into that specific note very easily why activity as a like a gigantic widget on the third screen? That seems like a strange decision. The fitness one. Yeah, yes. Yeah, the fitness I had one. a space available. And so <laughs> sometimes I remove the fitness one if I have something that's like going on at a certain time. Like when we were doing mm-hmm. the St. Jude fundraiser, I had the like St. Jude fundraiser widget. There. Ah, okay. And okay. then otherwise I use fitness. But I do actually quite like the graphs that fitness produces. Like I was finding myself looking in the app on the phone quite a bit and so this was good to just get some of that information immediately uh, available to me because sometimes it's like oh i'm already at say like say it's like 20 minutes 30 minutes of activity in my day when i haven't worked out yet and i'm like where did that come from and sometimes just looking at the the time chart of exercise will answer that for me which is kind Hmm. of interesting it's like oh it recorded that walk that i did today which, which sometimes it doesn't, sometimes it does. So like, I just find that to be an interesting thing. I like having it there. And there's a couple of stacks going on, right? So there's carrot is underneath the Fantastic Owl widget. Um, I have a mm. shortcut widget, which is for some time tracking stuff underneath the timery widget. And the widget smith widget of uh, the time zones that I have. Underneath that is a countdown timer, which is usually my next vacation. and that that like switches over on its own so if i have a vacation coming up i'll put a countdown timer there and that that will sometimes flip over and show me that instead of the uh, time zone stuff what are you using as the countdown app for that it's also widget smith oh it's also widget smith okay Mm -hmm. okay yeah i think this is good i don't have anything to make fun of i feel like you have a really solid system here so yeah i think i think this is good and let's talk about the apps this episode of cortex is brought to you by trade coffee The holidays are approaching, so it's time to start thinking about what you're going to be giving to your loved ones for their gifts. And if you're looking for something to get even the hardest person to shop for, look no further than a personalized coffee subscription with Trade Coffee. Trade Coffee is a coffee subscription service that makes it so simple for you to discover new coffees and make your best cup of coffee at home every day or to give the gift of the best cup of coffee at home. Trade partners with the nation's top-rated independent roasters to send you coffee that they know you're going to love, fresh to your home and on your preferred schedule. Whether you already know what you like or you're new to specialty coffee and need some help, Trade makes it easy and convenient to discover new coffees. I love coffee, and I love to find new beans, new roasters, and Trade does that work for me. So I, they know what I like because they know my preferences. They know the stuff that I've been having with them before. And they keep finding me fantastic new coffees from new roasters all over the U.S. for me to try out. And I absolutely love everything that I get from Trade. Super good coffee. And I'm convinced you're going to love it too. Trust me, I am picky with this stuff. Trade Coffee is the perfect gift for loved ones. They make it easy with their digital gifting options for last-minute shoppers or their coffee and equipment bundles for something under the tree. 
Treat yourself or the coffee lover in your life with Trade Coffee. Right now, Trade is offering listeners of this show a total of $30 off a subscription and access to limited-time holiday specials at drinktrade.com slash cortex. That's drinktrade.com slash cortex for $30 off. One last time, D-R-I-N-K-T-R-A-D-E dot com slash cortex. Our thanks to Trade Coffee for their support of this show and all of Relay FM. So let's start with productivity apps. Yeah. Into the meat of state of the apps. Mm-hmm. I re-listened to last year's episode. Mm-hmm. And I'm noticing already a change in you. Because last year... In me. Yeah, you had given up on to-do. <laughs> and we spoke last year. You were like, ah, I'm not, I don't use a to-do app anymore. But already in this episode, I've seen visual proof that you're using OmniFocus. So it seems like you've gotten that part of your working life back in order again in 2022. Uh, okay, yeah. So yeah, last year must have been the nadir of of my lockdown time yeah. of life. You were just like, oh, who needs it? You know what I mean? <laughs> I just do whatever the wind tells me. Uh, yes. Yeah, that was not a great period of time, no. <laughs> no. We can talk about part of that in a, in a little bit of a of a later section, but yes, I've gotten much better about being back in the habit of using OmniFocus. And I think part of it is I've pulled out a subset of tasks which will not be going in OmniFocus anymore. They're going to go somewhere else, which we'll talk oh, about okay. later. But it's, I think this is... A lot of times, like you want to have real clarity about what are you using a thing for. And I was trying to use OmniFocus for something that just like never really was quite working and always put in a bit of a resistance. And so now it's much more clear of like, okay, I have reminders that are for how the day should be going. And then there's like the specific kind of traditional to do tasks of like, oh, you need to pay this bill on this day or whatever. So I've got all that kind of stuff in there. And then OmniFocus is just working for me much better. And for a couple of things, I use shared reminders with my wife, as I mentioned on the lock screen stuff earlier. And that's basically it. Like I'm back using OmniFocus. I'm very happy about it. I am wondering what on earth is taking so long about the next version of OmniFocus. Like (laughs) I think that they might be running into some trouble there. But like for me, looking around for apps, it is still the same case of if an app does not have deferred dates, it's just like a total deal breaker for me. Like I can't use it. So I think Reminders is a really interesting app. Like I think it's gotten so much better over the years. And it's another thing where they keep adding features and I could actually imagine being tempted by reminders in the future, but until and if they ever add something that is like deferred dates, it's just totally out of the picture for me. So I'm back on OmniFocus and I'm very happy about it. I'm still using Todoist and I have kind of committed to myself that I'm not going to change anymore. No more changing. No more switching. Good. It's too disruptive and ultimately mm-hmm. not helpful for me. You know, like I remember, I think during a WWDC episode, I was like, you know, Reminders, I think, has everything that I want now. I might move mm-hmm. to Reminders. And I played around with it, and it actually does. Like, Reminders has, I think at this point, everything I would need that I use in Todoist, because I'm, I'm trying still to use the system simply. Um, like, for mm-hmm. me, it's a task name, and a due date and a project. Everything gets those that piece of information. Sometimes I use some features that Todoist has, but a lot of apps have, like subtasks or adding little notes or comments to a task. But I try to use the system simply in that way, which means that I kind of could use 
basically anything. But at this point, I have no desire and I'm kind of making a rule with myself to just stop moving around. My only frustration with Todoist is mm-hmm. nothing to do with them, which is how much stuff I have <laughs> in Todoist <laughs> and how much I'm putting in to my to-do manager. But that feels more like a yearly themes problem than a state of the apps problem, right? Yeah, I have too much to do is not your to-do apps problem. Yeah, that's, a, yeah, that's totally a When problem. I wrote that down, I did feel like this is an interesting kind of app to make, like a lot of these apps, like to-do apps, email mm-hmm. apps, calendar apps, because it is very easy for your customer base to be frustrated with you for reasons that's got nothing to do with you. It's just like being in that application makes them angry because of the stuff that's in there or makes them sad because of how much is in there. And like <laughs> they take it out on the app. You know what I mean? Like, oh, I hate to do this. There's too much stuff in there all the time. So it's like it's just like right. a funny little aside I came to as I was writing down like what do I like about Todoist? What do I not like? Oh, I don't like how many things are in there. It's like well they didn't make that happen. <laughs> I did that. I resent my obligations, so I resent you. <laughs> but I'm I'm perfectly happy with Todoist. They continue to refine the app in ways that I like. Like they've been making some visual tweaks over the last year, which is nothing major, but just like stuff that I think has made the app look a little cleaner. Mm-hmm. One of the things that I will always love, and, and this is like a thing for me of a lot of productivity apps, where there's data entry involved, natural language processing is incredibly important to me. And, mm-hmm. you know, this app and Fantastical, which is like the king of this for me, of the natural language stuff, it's just so important. When I'm sitting on my Mac, I hit a keyboard command and just start writing what I'm looking to do. Mm-hmm. I will hit for me it's a command option space and that will pop up on my mac the todoist quick entry and i will just start writing whatever the task is and i'll use you know you learn the language for organization right so i can type in like do this task at 2 p.m and it works that out but then if i want to add like into a project then i will just hit the hash key and then start typing the name mm-hmm. of the project and it will start doing autocomplete stuff for me, right? So you learn some little tricks nice. with all of these natural language things. But for me, that is so valuable that I can just hit that and just go for it. I wish there was something as simple on iOS, but it's just, as you have done and I have done in the past, you can just set up a shortcut for these things. But for me, really, the Todoist app is really easy to add stuff to. So I just open the app and go for it. But I really wish there was some way that I could do this in Spotlight, say. Like, you know, like I just pull down Spotlight and just mm, start typing. Yeah. And that there's some way that that can go into Todoist. You know, I'm sure that there's something that it can do for reminders, but I don't want it to go into reminders. You know what I mean? So I wish there was a way to do this. I know you can kind of do it with Siri, but I don't like the way you do it with Siri because you have to like say yeah, yeah. in Todoist. I don't want to do that. Like I don't want to add that information. So with all of these things, I would then just prefer to just open the app and do it. But there's just nothing that is as easy as the way that I can add this stuff when I'm at my Mac, which is just with a couple of keyboard commands. The Siri integration for other to-do apps, like I'm glad it's there, but I also don't use it because it's just annoying. And... I don't use the language, natural language stuff in Fantastical, and I think that's also why in Todoist it's just never really appealed to me because it's not the way my brain works. Mm. But I do, like the closest I get to that, which is why I also use Reminders, is I feel like Reminders is really great for like one-off things where I just have to go like, oh, hey, the next time I'm here, remind me to do that. Yeah, right? That or so tomorrow cool. afternoon, yeah. I need to do this. Then Reminders is totally killer for that. And it's like, sure, I could use OmniFocus, 
but that's where now the friction is in a different way and and reminders is just like so good for i casually need to be reminded to do a thing at a time or at a place or the next time i leave the house that's like the best use for me of Siri and integrated tools. But I'm guessing this sort of is answering a question that I, I was having, which is when you say no more switching and you were interested in reminders, I presume that the reason that you went with Todoist is that natural language stuff. Like that's the thing that makes the difference for you for why you wouldn't use reminders. It always pulls me back. It's the, yeah. in my okay. opinion, yeah. it's the best one at it. You know, most reminders has it. I think OmniFocus has it, but it, none of it is as good as the way that Todoist does it. Like Todoist is mm-hmm. so good. Like with Todoist, you can set up really weird repeating tasks with natural language. Give me an example of that. So like I could say, remind me to take out the trash on the first Monday of every month. That's pretty good that you could just type it like that. And you can just say, first Monday. And it Hmm. it knows what that means. And I've I've added tasks that way. Hmm. That's interesting. Yeah, I just had to do something in uh, OmniFocus, which was the same thing where it's like, oh, remind me it was like remind me the third monday of every october about a thing and and it's like it's it's doable but it was like a bunch of clicks so it's interesting that yeah. you can do that kind of stuff just by typing it and todoist has and also always had a really good help document which like details like these are the commands you can use to do some of this stuff so like sometimes mm-hmm. it is easiest to do it with the text even w- than the ui and mm. it also handles this stuff in a very graceful way, which I enjoy. So I have some tasks that are like first Monday. But if I move them to the next week, when I then complete them, it will go to the next first Monday. Like I've mm. used apps where like at that point, I don't re- I've used apps that have done this in the past. I wish I could remember which, but it's a long time ago now. That like if you throw it off that schedule, it just removes the repeating. Yeah, I've I've seen that. I know what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. I've seen that kind of thing happen. Where it's like you dared to disrupt this, now you don't get to use it at all. <laughs> right. I'll show you. Yeah, yeah. You know, and, and that is the kind of stuff where I then feel like I can't trust the system. Mm-hmm. And if I feel like I can't trust the system, then it's just too much of a weight on my brain. That like I worry that like every complicated task I'm adding to the system um, is ultimately going to let me down, and this is never a way that I felt with Todoist. Like it is rock solid with this stuff, and that's one of the things that has made me come back to it time and time again. And now mm-hmm. why I'm like, no, I'm good. I'm staying here. This is the app that works the way that my brain works, and has literally never let me down in the way that mm. some other apps have. I am using reminders more now for shared lists especially Mm -hmm. so very general stuff like grocery lists home project lists that kind of stuff things that i don't really want in todoist um, which is by and large all work with some personal tasks but personal tasks that tend to have some kind of like work relation to them if that makes sense yeah yeah, i get it but like the lists and reminders they're all shared at the moment or shared with adina so it's just stuff that we're working on together or you know things like that and and i think reminders is pretty good for that because it's also most of these things they don't have due dates they're just lists of things Mm. and for me that can't work like for todoist everything goes in with a due date. That's how I work in Todoist. Like I don't have tasks that don't have due dates. So if I need to have a list of tasks or reminders that won't have due dates, they need to go somewhere else for it to work within the mental model of my system. Right. So right. I've been using reminders for that. And 
and it is really good. Like reminders has gotten really good, and I think for for me, it's going to become a you got a shared list to someone. Reminders is where it goes. Yeah, it feels like that has to be the default tool for that kind of thing. It's yeah. just, it's just the best at it. It's the easiest at it. In past years, I've tried different things for little shared reminders, and and ultimately, it's like no, no, no. Just use reminders. It's so much better. It's just baked into everything. It's yeah. If you're using shared reminders with someone and it's not a reminders list, I feel like you need a really good reason why you're not doing it this way. When it comes to note-taking, my systems have remained basically the same. So Apple Notes is my central place for where I put all my personal notes, notes that are shared with other people, because again, Apple Notes does a good job with that. Not very good at real time, but good for like mostly asynchronous sharing like i'm gonna add something later on somebody else might add something you know that kind of thing which is fine so before you go any further though what what exactly do you mean by a note like like how would you define a note i I will not do this with you (laughs) i won't do this with you i mean like what it's a it's a i don't put like individual sentences like they are typically (laughs) lists of the text paragraphs of text I can't. I can't do this. No, leave me alone. <laughs> I don't. I just, I'm just asking, like, what kind of things are you saving in notes? All right. All right. So the I main things... Like, I genuinely okay, no, okay, always okay, want okay, to okay. know. The main things for me that go in, like, my most important notes are the individual notes that I have for each of my shows. So I have an upgrade follow-up note, connected follow-up note, Cortex follow-up note, etc. And in those mm-hmm. notes goes... Links that I want to share, like to talk about on a show. So like if I see something online, I'll add it to that. And one of the reasons I've always loved notes is how good the share extension is from anywhere in iOS to just add it. Mm. If I have an idea for a topic, I might start writing an outline in that note as well. So there's like lots of things in each note. In my Cortex note, I have like ideas for topics going back years that we've just not gotten to yet, but they're all in there. So I know that if I want to get some ideas for an episode of Cortex, I will go to my Cortex follow-up note and it's all going to be in there. But I also have notes that are preparation for a show. So when I was like got my iPhone 14 Pro, I was writing all of my thoughts in there for it. So if I had to pull anything out for an episode, I could do that. So like me and Adina have in here like some notes for like our new home and like things that we want to keep an eye on. Like we have our all of the various pieces of information we have amassed about how the house works, right? Like mm-hmm. stuff that the previous owner said, stuff that we've worked out on our own, you know, like so all just going in there as like a central hub where we could search later on and it would bring us to that note. I have a note that I made called Smart Home, which has a bunch of things in it. There's some, what kind of products do I want to add to the home? Here's some links. Here's a a photo of like kind of flow chart that I drew on a piece of paper of like, this is how I want the security system to work. So it's all kinds of stuff goes in here. But I think one of the things that makes me and you different is related items are all within one note. They're not like multiple notes that are then drawn together by something. Yeah, so I I actually just realized something while you were talking again on notes and how people. Here we go. (laughs) No, no, but I I I, I'm going to say this out loud because I never realized this was a feature, but it just dawned on me why and how you could use this in the way that you're doing. I never realized that if you're on a web page and you go to share that with notes that there's an option at the top to add it to a specific note so oh, it yeah, will man. append at the bottom. Great, I've been I did, talking I about this knew... for like six years. Every year I mention this. <laughs> yeah, this is how no, this no, works but you've for me. Ne- No, no, but you've never like said it this way 
in it's mm-hmm. like i Hold never on. realized this was a feature yeah so this no, no, no. is so like, so like ima- you've always yeah. you've always talked about like having a cortex note like i get it but i just i think i always thought that the process of adding like a link to the bottom of a page was more clunky than it actually was oh no it's so easy yeah i just had my mind blown like i went into safari and, and hit shared with yeah. notes and and like oh at the top i can just pick something and it goes at the bottom yep. i never knew that and then it does the little preview too, which I really enjoy. And so like if somebody sends me a tweet and I add it via the share extension, it gives me a preview of the tweet in notes. So I don't even have to click the link right. to know if it's something that I want for that episode. So this is why like Apple Notes is, is I'm this is such a part of my system for how I produce my shows. I've tried other apps and other apps have really good features and they have like interesting things that they do, which is like, oh, but none of them do this kind of like collecting of links like Apple Notes does. Yeah. It's like, it's so ingrained in how I work now. Yeah. The way way they do a little preview of whatever the link actually is, is quite killer. Mm -hmm. Like it's a, it's a really nice, it's a really nice feature. And I I can see that it, it can make say scrolling a long list of ideas for things to talk about on any of your podcasts much easier where you can also just visually see what it is. There you go. I never knew. And no one ever told me that you could append to the bottom of a note. Like I just didn't realize that's quite interesting. This is bullying. No. <laughs> no, it's it's genuinely not bullying. Like I'm I actually shocked. I have mentioned this every year. <laughs> I know. I don't think you I don't think you have ever said the words like when you share it appends to the bottom of a note. I don't think you've said that. I'm also still using Craft. I use Craft <laughs> for everything related to Cortex brand. So it's a lot of the same kinds of stuff, but it's all siloed within Craft. You know, it's good for, for me for brainstorming. It's good for mixed media. It's very good for sharing. So if I have a note, uh, I can share it with someone. It's usually I'll share it with you, right? Where I could be like, mm-hmm. hey, look at this this table that I've got going on, like of this information. And it's very good for like creating these links that you can share with other people, which I, I really enjoy. One of the things that they've added in the last few months, which is awesome for me, is calculations to tables. So they added tables last year. But it was basically just you could draw a table and you could write in each box. But now they've added functions and calculations that you can apply to what's Ooh, in those nice. tables. Because one of the things that I use Craft for is tracking sales for our products. So I will go in every week and like write down what our current sales totals are. And now Craft will automatically calculate how many have been sold in the last week based on our current total sales number. And I like to have that as just like an ongoing piece of information so I can kind of try and draw out some trends over time. Before, mm-hmm. I was having to open PCALC and do the calculations myself. But now I have it all in craft. So it's very easy now to me to do that. The formulas are represented really nicely. And I'm so happy that they added that because, you know, for a while I was like, should I be doing this in numbers? But it's like, but then it's breaking the idea of this stuff all being in craft. And I was like going backwards and forwards. Yeah. And and then they finally added this feature. So it's given me the one little last piece that I was missing uh, from my kind of craft setup for Cortex brand. That's really nice. Like, I'm a big proponent of numbers. I really like it as an app, but it feels like it's too heavyweight for like, I just want to add up a list of numbers in this thing automatically. So it's, it's really nice that they added that. You're still using Obsidian, right? No, oh, okay. No, well, look, if we're, talk- if we're talking about notes, uh, well... What is a note, Mike? <laughs> like, 
I feel like I don't I don't know when you I don't know when you want to talk about obsidian. Obsidian to me is like a whole other universe of things. Yeah. I would say what most people mean when they're talking about notes is I use the notes app as an individual list of things where it's like, oh, I just want to remember this. And then every couple of weeks, I just go through everything in notes and like sort it into some other place where it belongs or it just acts as a reminder. So that you said earlier that you had a thing, a button on your home screen that you can press, right? And it Mm -hmm. lets you add something, a thought that you have for, for Cortex. Where is that going? Okay, so currently it's going into reminders, uh, and the reason it was, <laughs> of course it was. Why wouldn't it? You know what I mean. What is a note? It's also a to do. <laughs> I mean, can I explain myself, Mike? This I would love you to. <laughs> like, no, I. You need to, but <laughs> I first have to get out my emotions. <laughs> so this year, for all of Cortex, I've been using reminders as my show notes, and the reason I've been doing it that way is because. Sure, reminders is a reminders app, but it's it's also kind of like the most simple possible version of an outliner app. Each item can be a little thing and mm-hmm. you can drag them up and down and you have one level of sorting. So you can have one little sub level. Yep. And so when I add a little note for Cortex, it then shows up as as like this individual line on my Cortex list in reminders and I, at the top, just have a couple of categories. So I've got like state of the app. So as the year went along, if I was using some clever little app that I knew like, oh, six months from now when I'm not in Hawaii, I'm never going to remember that I ever used this thing. Uh, I can just make a note of that. And then I like fold it under that one heading, which is state of the apps. Mm-hmm. And it's the same thing with the themes. Like, oh, I had a thought about themes. I can just fold this under that one level of themes. And it's nice because in reminders, you can also toggle that little triangle to actually hide it. So I don't actually see it. So reminders for me has been kind of the perfect level of organization for Cortex notes, for like the Cortex show notes stuff. And then it's also nice because when we go through the show, I can just tick off oh these are the things that we've discussed and then they go away and the things that we haven't discussed can stay on that list of oh like oh maybe this makes sense in the future and i can throw that into another little folder which is like possible future stuff i actually really like this as a system for cortex i do want to trial next year possibly doing this in obsidian instead for just like a couple of very small reasons but reminders has been working great for this like and i'm very happy with it as a system for keeping track of stuff that i want to talk about in cortex and it's also just nice like it's a clear like here's this individual list honestly my biggest problem with reminders is that for some incredibly annoying reason you can't like make the text bigger on the Mac app and it's infuriating. Like sitting on my computer now, I'm like, I want these words twice as big while I'm here recording the show. But Reminders is like, oh no, no, no. We, we only want teeny tiny letters and teeny tiny sentences in our Reminders app, which is genuinely like the thing that I find the most frustrating about it. So that's where everything is going when I'm talking about Cortex. I can see how you got there. Right. And like the way that you're describing it, that does make a lot of sense of like you have these pieces of information that are short and you're just like adding to them. But like the way that that wouldn't mm-hmm. like work for me is I actually like to write in outlines and you can't do that. Right. Like you can add the initial thing, but if you want to add mm-hmm. some context to it, 
reminders won't yes. let you do that. And so like that's what I do in the notes app, right? So like I'll open mm-hmm. my Cortex note and I might add a sentence and then later on I'm going to come back and fill that out a little bit more in an outline format so I have mm-hmm. more like thorough thinking and thorough notes for the show. So I can see how you got there, but it really does feel like you've established to me like an idea of how you want to track this information, give you somewhere to over time add this stuff, which I think is really good. I wished that I would have thought that of that earlier for state of the apps, especially. Yeah. I've had to do a lot of work over the last couple of weeks, like combing through my devices to find <laughs> the apps that I like where I could have actually been adding them the whole time. But yeah, reminders wouldn't work for me in this way because I then wouldn't be able to like do anything with that initial information once it's in the in that application. I'd have to then take it somewhere else. Yeah, and, and that thing about being able to add sub layers like in, in an outline that is the main reason i've been thinking of maybe switching this system over to obsidian which would allow me to do that more easily that is the main limitation of it is like but even if if reminders had like just a like a single additional layer like if it was a three layer hierarchy instead of a two layer hierarchy i might be totally fine with just using it like this forever because like one subheading is all i ever need for the cortex notes whereas i do see in our google doc that you also often have like boom 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 five sub layers of Mm -hmm. like here's all the things that i want to talk about with the thing that's what my cortex notes look like and just in a a similar way i think i mentioned it before but just in case i haven't I do also find reminders really great for to watch lists and to read lists. So when someone recommends something, mm. I have a little shortcut that will add the book or the movie to the to watch list or the to read list. And I also, this is really key, in the shortcut that I have set up to do that, it also asks me who's recommending this. And I'm, I always really like to be able to remember like, oh, this person recommended me the show. And so like the reminders oh. has a like notes <laughs> section. What are, you, what are you laughing at there, Mike? This is how you keep track of all the bad recommendations I give you. Well, I mean, I mean, look. This is if why you I've been make... in the knife's edge. <laughs> <laughs> Listeners, behind the scenes, I have recently teased Mike as having one of the worst batting averages for recommending media <laughs> for me. <laughs> I think I'm, have I saved myself a little bit with Severance? Uh, no, Severance was really good. Severance okay. was really good. So I've got one in the good column. Like I've got like there yeah. is an army of debt right in the bad column. It's terrible back there. It's like the three hundred back there. But it it is terrible. It is terrible back there. You you did save yourself a little bit with Severance, especially because we'll just say Severance had one of like the most stressful nail-biting hours of television i've ever watched in my right. life it's how like, wow good did is, an is the final episode right of that. listen i'm not saying anything look no don't spoil anything for people right but it's like i was literally sweating <laughs> i'm like this and there's like that's amazing like it's amazing so that, that it was able to do that so so, good. so yes mike you've had a terrible batting average but like wow is that a real peak Ooh. that i would have totally missed otherwise i had hoped that severance would be the thing to save me 
Uh-huh. <laughs> and like I knew it was like, and I took a real switch because you told me, I, I believe when I recommended it, like if this one's bad, I'm done. Like that's the end. For me. No more <laughs> recommendations. But like, so I, I thought if anything is going to save me on this one, it was Severance. I'm pleased you enjoyed it. Yeah. I mean, listeners in your life, you'll eventually find that some people become excellent anti-recommenders that when they recommend something, you're like, okay, great. This goes on the do not watch list. And, and Mike was like, I was just telling Mike, like, he's real close to getting on that do not watch uh, list. And I, you, you had you had some phrase at dinner where you're like, I'm all in on severance. Like, yeah, I, I bet my in. entire reputation yep. on it. I, I did say that. I said I will stake my entire... Yeah. I think you offered that as an option to me of, like, I will watch this if you stake your reputation on it. And I was willing to stake my reputation on, on severance. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's a bit like, you know, you're in the old West gambling hall and it's like mm-hmm. double or nothing, right? I got and you're like, oh, I'm all in. I went but all so in. yeah, that worked out well. Um but yes, listeners, that's why you want to keep a record of who recommended you to thing. Yeah. And so you can like get, build up associations with who recommends what. And also, genuinely, because I'm just like super bad at, at keeping up with friends. It's also nice that when you finish something, it kind of gives you an excuse to be able to tell someone like, oh, hey, I just finished this book that you recommended and like I enjoyed it. And it's just like, it can be a nice little um, touch point as you well. You didn't do that with Severance. You you didn't you didn't text me and say that was great. Didn't I? I th- no, nope. I told you. I, nope. I, I, no, nope. I updated you at some point that it was going well. We spoke That's... last week and you said... I'm enjoying it so far, but we'll see how it goes to the end. And this is the first I've heard about it. <laughs> oh, did I leave you hanging until now? I, I didn't just didn't realize. know you finished it, right? Like, <laughs> I didn't know what speed you were on. I mean, look, look, we're getting on a bit of a tangent here, mm-hmm. but I do, I do have a real asterisk of like, I think they've written themselves in a real dangerous position for season two, so we'll see. But I'm still totally giving it to you as a win for season. I believe one. this is this is no spoilers, right? But I I I read something if I'm remembering rightly that this was supposed to be one season, and mm-hmm. I think it was because Ben Stiller's production company kind of made this happen, which is like a fun thing. Uh, yeah, I don't know why every every time it like at the end of the episode it flashes like it ends and it goes to cuts to black and it says mm-hmm. like directed by Ben Stiller. And I don't know, it just like made me laugh every yeah. time. <laughs> like yeah. I, I feel a little bad about that, but I was like, oh, Zoolander. Because I remember when the first trailers came out because it was said that this show was happening. It was like Ben Stiller is directing producing and it has Adam Scott from Parks and Rec. And I was like, oh, okay, this is going to mm-hmm. be fun. And then the first trailer came out and was like, oh boy, <laughs> what is going on? But I believe it was supposed to be one season and mm-hmm. the production company, like Benson's production company, kind of realized what they had and they're like, no, no, this is going to be more than one season. And they they mm-hmm. stretched out that final episode. to to. But yes, I don't know what happens after this episode. Like I can't envision how it continues. I'm really intrigued though because I love the first season, so I can't wait for more. They are making more, so if that's true that there was a coherent story which was turned into multiple seasons, that gives me a lot more faith. But yeah, with with a lot of TV, it's like yeah, you can you can write something interesting uh, and mysterious. Yeah, but that's not the hard part. Like the hard part is closing the sale on your interesting and mysterious premise. So yeah, uh, I would we'll just say, be happy just, to have more un- more understanding of the world at large. Like so, they could just go in that direction, and I'm intrigued, right? Because there's just like a, so much stuff. It's like I don't even understand how this this world is, which is lost vibes. You get a bit lost vibes from it. So I hope that they do a better job. <laughs> 
I mentioned Fantastical earlier on as my calendar of choice. It's still the one for me. I will say, though, like, started to notice a little jankiness of Fantastical. Oh, yeah? Which is a thing I've never noticed, like, never had before. And this is especially happening to me on the iPhone, where the app seems to be haunted (laughs) sometimes. Oh, that sounds bad. It's scrolling on its own in a way that I'm not asking it to do. Like... I will say hit a date, right? So like I'm looking at it and I want to see it next Thursday and I tap it and I'm looking at it and then all of a sudden it jumps back to another day. Ooh, spooky. Or sometimes I'll like be scrolling and it will say like, oh, it's you're on the 10th, but it's in the, on the little calendar view. But then on the list, it's showing me like a different day. Like I found this to be like weird in the last little while. It's like a thing I've not experienced with the app before. It's always been really rock solid, but... It's moving around. The like the app seems to be moving on its own in a way that I don't like. But Fantastical, hmm. still the best. Uh, calendars, like it's the way that I work, natural language and all that kind of stuff, and I love it. But, you know, bugs get into systems. Who knows? This might be just me. Maybe I'm the only one with a haunted Fantastical. Who could tell? <laughs> yeah, I, I don't. I never really use it on iOS. I'm only ever using it on my computers, and I can't report that I have any hauntedness in my Fantastical. Mm. But yes, like we mention it every year, but I also like every year really feel the need to reemphasize. Like it is such a stupidly good calendar app. Like you're almost, yep. you're crazy if you're not using it. There's no better. The thing that is just the amazing is like the calendar groups and being able to just say like, okay, show me all the work stuff. Show me all the stuff that I need to see if I'm planning traveling and social engagements or like it's it's just unbelievably good. Um, so yeah, I can't I can't recommend Fantastical. Well, enough. are you using the calendar sets with focuses? Uh, no, I didn't know that was a feature. But I also feel like that does not wildly matter for me. That's a much okay. more important feature for you. But can you do that? Tie that in with um, when the focus modes change. So there's a new feature, a new API called Focus Filters mm-hmm. that apps can tie into. And allow you to, when you're in a certain focus mode, only show you certain information. So you can set this up that like when you're in a certain focus, iMessage will only show you conversations from certain people. And you can choose who you want it to show you. In Fantastic Hour, you can have it show you in the app just certain calendar sets. Timery has it that certain sets of timers will only be viewable to you in certain focus modes hmm. I, have, I haven't played around with that yet this is i don't do any of these i don't do it because it took a while for them and now i'm on there's only really apps that are starting to happen now but it's in the focus mode it's called focus filters and you can tap it and it gives you all of the apps that you know you might use that that, that will give you this functionality so you can configure a bunch of apps to show you certain information when you're in certain focuses. I thought that could be interesting for you as someone who's running these um, focuses all the time, but this isn't something that I have used myself. I didn't re- I didn't realize that's where... Because I remember them talking about this, mm-hmm. and I, I just always assumed this would show up as a setting in the app, but it doesn't. It's at the way bottom of the focus settings themselves. Yeah. Interesting. I did not know that. Ah, so that's where it shows you that you can pick stuff. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'll have to t- I'll have to take more of a oh Safari tab group. How intriguing! Yeah, so if you had like a research tab group and a research focus mode, time together. <laughs> research, like there's just going to be one, one. tab group under that. That's that's madness. Mike. Research <laughs> ZZZ4. Oh yeah, my, my research tab group. 
Oh no, my lights just switched again because I did touch the focus <laughs> modes. <laughs> Not the only one with a ghost. Yeah, let me go back to chill mode. Okay. All right, I'll, I will investigate that later. But that's that's very cool. I didn't realize that. And thank you for thank you for telling me where it actually is because I might not have found it all year if you hadn't mentioned that. And another good piece of follow-up from last year's State of the Apps that needs to be mentioned. We spoke last time. You said you were still using Calzones by David Smith. and Oh, we, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we both wished that he would just copy and paste Calzones into Widgetsmith, which he has actually done uh-huh. in the intervening year. So <laughs> Widgetsmith now has the time zone functionality of calzones inside of it which i love and so now this is especially good for me which i enjoy i have the time zones widget on my lock screen right when i tap that it opens widgetsmith in the calzones view so i can move stuff around and and see time zones over a, a scrolling period of time so very happy that that's in widgetsmith now yes yeah i'm very happy about that we wished slashed bullied and begged uh underscore to, mm-hmm. to put that into the app and yes he was very nice to do it and i really love it that's the only thing that i use on that uh i forget what they call it the today view i think is the language for it when you slide yeah. over to the left like yeah. i have that as a list there which is just real handy to check and it was very satisfying to be able to switch because i think calzones was the last thing that was using like the super old original widgets interface and it had to exist in like this janky bubble that felt like oh they must be running a virtual machine to run this widget on this system so it's real nice to be like ah here's the updated one from calzones for anyone who does the time zone stuff let me just re-emphasize the killer feature of this and what makes it so good is not that it shows you the time in different cities but that when you tap on it it opens up this like scrolly view so you can look at say like i've got six cities listed And you can scroll left and right and very easily see, oh, as the day moves on where I am, what are all the times everywhere else? Mm -hmm. And it's just like, I've never found any interface that is as good for quickly figuring out when you're going to do a call with someone in a different time zone. So it's not just the clocks, it's what it opens up to. And that's why we were like, please put calzones in the modern system. And so it's great. If you do time zones, like you need to get this for sure. I would just need to know because I checked this, right? Four hours after we published last year's episode, David sent us a video of him having added it into Widgetsmith. Four hours. I, b- I believe he is the fastest developer in the West. It took him longer before he actually put it in because he actually added a bunch of stuff to Widgetsmith, like a bunch of, I think they're called tools in the app, where there's now just like a lot more functionality in the app that you can tie to certain widgets that when you tap them, they open up. So there's like weather in there now. It's like a full weather app inside of it now. There's activity and step stuff. There's reminders, functionality. There's tons of new tools in the app. I will just note something where it took you six months to respond to that message, which is hilarious. Oh, right, that did. (laughs) 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 Listeners, that is evidence. When I say, when you hear me say things like, I am bad at getting back to people, that's the kind of thing that I mean. It's like... (laughs) A message is sent, and half a year later, I respond. Like I'm, I'm, I am not proud of this. I don't wish that I was this way. Like if I could wish myself better than this, I would be better than this. But like sometimes you have to live with the person that you are, and yeah, 
that's that's real bad and i wish i could say that was some kind of crazy outlier but it is not hey look this is one of those things if everyone's true friends you understand each other right and like yes people that are friends of you they know that you're this way and it's like this is you know we all work together and make each other better so time management let's talk about time. <laughs> let's talk about time management We've got to talk about timery as well because like since mm-hmm. last year timery has had so many awesome new features added to it a few things that i'm really loving about timery i'm loving using it on my mac loving the menu bar app that i have running right now and it's the way that i most frequently set timers now is from the menu bar and like what i really love is there's a recent time entries in the menu bar, which is the way that I most frequently will start a timer. So I just go down to recent time entries. And oh, it's usually I never like saw that. The huh. last week's worth of stuff is in here for me. If I want to do show prep, I usually go to recent time entries and it doesn't take me very long to be like, oh, show prep for Cortex and I'll hit it and it will just start the timer. And you can also mm. do some very basic things in there. Like you can change the start time by five or 15 minutes as so I can edit parameter stuff. This is a great menu bar app and it's how I use time mm. most now. But one of the other things that I love that Joe added to the app now is just like an auto completing. So you, when you start a timer, you can have it, because again, I love working in text for these things. It will, can just drop your cursor into like a description field, which you can start typing. So I could start typing like C-O-R for Cortex and it will show me my recent timers for Cortex. It's an easy way to then just hit the one that I'm looking for. It's like an autocomplete and just hit enter. Mm. So that's really awesome. It got lock screen widgets, obviously, which we're using. The focus filter stuff that I mentioned is in there. And the live activities, which we haven't spoken about yet, but it's the new thing in iOS that works particularly good with the always-on display and the dynamic island on the 14 Pro. So now when I'm running a timer on my iPhone... It's just always ticking away, and I love it. I love this feature so much. I think that it's such a great addition for Timery. You're talking about loving the, it is called the live activity. That's the one mm-hmm. on the bottom where it just shows you here's the name and here's the timer. Live activities and the dynamic island thing are the same thing. They're all live activities. Okay, so this is what I was wondering because I was, I was digging around when the, the new app came out and I got the new phone with the dynamic island. I thought it was interesting. Like everything in here is under one setting. I wonder if behind the scenes, Apple doesn't distinguish between the dynamic island and the live activity stuff mm-hmm. if it's all just the same. So I guess that sounds like that is the case. Okay, that's interesting. Everything that happens in the dynamic island is a part of the live activities API. Oh, uh, okay. So I should think about it the other way. Live at yes. like Dynamic Island is a subset of live activities in a yeah. way. Okay. So it's, it's one it's the of the two or three places on your iPhone that you will see a current live activity, right? Because you can right. get it in the lock okay. screen, you can okay. get it in notifications, which are essentially the same thing, but there's two ways to get to it. And then it's also in the Dynamic Island. That makes sense. I was, uh, as I could often be, I was, I was like quick on the draw for emailing the developer and be like, hey, I want these as different settings. But the more I looked at it, I was like, maybe that's not his choice, right? Maybe this is the way Apple's just done it behind the scenes. I have to see, I have to get used to it a little bit. I don't love having the big live activity thing on my lock screen Mm. with the always on display. The always on display is interesting. I think it's a bit of a double-edged sword. I mostly like it, but there are clearly cases where I don't, and this is kind of one of them. Mm. But it is why, like you were mentioning the little menu bar for Timery, and that to me is killer. Like I absolutely love that, and I don't use it, but I love just having that it can show the icon in the color of whatever timer you're running. And I also just turn off the time display. Like, I don't want to see how much time has passed 
But it's great while I'm working to just have a quick visual indicator that like, yes, the correct timer is running right now. Uh, I just like, I absolutely love that. Um, it's just like on my phone, I think I might turn off some of that live activity stuff because I find it too prominent and too distracting. Mm-hmm. But the menu bar one is like, perfect. That's what I want. I just want a quick visual indicator because I run everything from Spotlight is how I like turn on and off timers with a janky system that involves Automator running a terminal command to run a shortcut. Whoa. But it works for me. And then I can just quickly see like, oh, the color changed. Great. Like the correct timer is running. I'm on a break now or I've switched from core work to admin work. In the timery settings, there is a live activities set of settings. And there are some options like showing the duration you can turn off. So it would still show that there's a timer running. But yeah, those systems are very interlinked of each other. The always on live activity and the dynamic island, you kind of can't choose one or the other you have to just choose mm-hmm. if you want to run live activities at all yeah and, and and that's why i ended up not like having a request about hey can we change this because i thought oh, this probably does make sense that apple wants to just consider the concept of there's something happening now and mm-hmm. we will choose how it's displayed depending on what the user is doing on their phone these are not separate systems yeah i think it's great for people that it exists and it is when i run timers on the phone weirdly satisfying on that little island on the top to see the little timer pop up and like the whole shortcut system work like it's it's really good and i like that visual confirmation of like yes the timer went through it's running right now you can see that there's a little circle at the top this episode of cortex is brought to you by squarespace the all-in-one platform for building your brand and growing your business online with squarespace you'll be able to stand out from the crowd of a beautiful website engage directly with your audience and sell products services even the content that you create no matter what type of website you want to make squarespace has got you covered it's super simple to get started and i love how easy it is to customize their beautiful templates you just choose the one that you're looking for by browsing their categories to match the business or type of website you want to make to give you that perfect starting place you can customize everything in just a few clicks you can choose the fonts the colors and the layout that really fit what you want to put online and i absolutely adore how simple this is to get started and build the website that you want in no time at all you can then if you want to take it a little bit further you can get stuck into some of their other tools that they have because really squarespace has everything like seo tools so you can use their suite of integrated features and useful guides to maximize prominence among search results you can stand out in any inbox of a squarespace email campaign so you can encourage your visitors to sign up as email subscribers and start them on the journey to becoming loyal customers just start with an email template and customize it by applying your brand ingredients like site colors and logo Plus, built-in analytics measure the impact of every send that you put out. And whether you sell physical or digital goods, Squarespace has all of the tools that you need to start selling online in your own online store. They really are the best around, and I want you to go try it for yourself. Go to squarespace.com cortex, and you can sign up for a free trial, no credit card required. Build your website and see how powerful and awesome Squarespace is. Then when you're ready to launch, use the offer code cortex, and you'll get 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. That is squarespace.com cortex, and when you decide to sign up, use the offer code cortex to get 10% off your first purchase and show your support for the show. Our thanks to Squarespace for the continued support of Cortex and all of Relay FM. Are you still using Notion at Grey Industries? <sighs> Notion. Well. Notion Nation. <laughs> yeah. Yes. I'm still using Notion. I say it like that because this is one of these things where 
I personally still don't love Notion. There's just something about the interface that still really gets me. And there's also something where I find it like weirdly hard to find stuff sometimes. I don't love their search. Like I could have an endless list of complaints about Notion while at the same time realizing that this year it really cemented itself as one of these but how did I ever live before we use this tool kind of apps in terms of project management stuff? Like it's just been growing over the years for a lot of the behind the scenes stuff in terms of admin. And this year in particular with a couple of projects, one of which has been frustrating me for like three quarters of the year now, which I, I was uh, complaining to Mike about a little bit. A project where it's like fact-checking stuff that's going back 150 years between me and my assistant and fact-checker, like working together. It would just not be possible to do the current project that we're working on without something like Notion to keep track of everything. So yeah, while I have an endless list of complaints about it, it's like it's created in my brain a sort of new category for basic tools that any team needs like you need something like slack for everybody to talk to each other Mm -hmm. you need whatever your industry specific tools are and you need something like notion which is kind of like a database of shared knowledge that's way more ad hoc and flexible than something like Google Docs, which might be a lot of people's first port of call for something like this. It's where a lot of stuff for Relay is Google Docs. Yeah. And sort of how you were mentioning with Craft, like it added a feature where there's tables. Yeah. One of the things that's just really killer for Notion, just to like express to people, like, how do we use this? Is for fact checking a script and putting together a timeline of events. So like I can give the, the script to the fact checkers. They break it down into like, here's all of the statements that are made in this script. But that can then go into a table. It's like sort of like an Excel table, but not as rigid. And each fact can be categorized as like, oh, we've cleared this. This is good. This has further questions or like this mm-hmm. totally needs to be flagged and we need to double check it. And it's super useful on my end because then I can then like sort all of these of like, show me the critical ones. So I'm going to work through these first. And what's nice about it is then each little fact, if my assistant or the fact checker have set it up this way, I can click on that fact. And then it basically opens up like a whole new document that can be all of the details about what's going on here. Like it doesn't need to be squeezed into the table. And if necessary, like that sub page can link to another page as well related to this. So it's really just been the best sort of tool that allows a team to go in depth on a bunch of stuff. I know why that is useful. And I know why people like the way that Notion works like this, where it's like things are like infinitely expandable, right? Where you can just keep Mm -hmm. clicking on things and opening new pages. I can't stand that way of working because for me, it's like, I never know how far down this is going to (laughs) go. And I don't like that where like I see this piece of information. Is there like a whole 25 level stack of notes behind this? Like I don't know Mm -hmm. until I start clicking. For me, that just does not work. I don't like the uncertainty in a system like that. I get why people 
do. I get why, especially for the way you just described that, I 100% see how that is incredibly helpful to you, right? Of like, mm-hmm. there is just a table, but that table can hold within it an infinite amount of information, which definitely makes sense for us, what you're talking about fact-checking, right? Like, here's a fact, yeah. but like, here's all the research that led to us saying that this fact is true, right? Like, I 100% see how that's helpful for you. It's like hell for me. Mm-hmm. Also on there, what is surprisingly useful is sort of like you talk about, uh, what is it, Spark that lets you do those comment threads on an email. Notion has that same sort of thing where there's there's a like, here's the fact, here's all the information about the fact, and then also here's the sidebar conversation. So I can at someone and like ask for clarification about a thing. And it's just so useful. And it's really great to have like clearly have that understood of like we pull this out of slack there is the little this is this is where like my frustrations are the same frustrations you have that there there can be a little bit of a like where the hell am i (laughs) right like i'm in i'm in the middle of some kind of weird loading for the matrix and it could be anything and it's it still always blows my mind if i'm just typing something that is like oh hey do you want to insert a database query here like no i don't i was just trying to send a message where i'm asking a question but like a fool i hit the slash button and opened up a portal into everything that could be possible i think what is also key with notion is that you do have to have someone who is canonically in charge of the order of this thing and everybody else just has to deal with it and for me that's my assistant it's like she's in charge of canonically what this order is nobody else gets to rearrange pages because if you have like everybody do that it can totally be a disaster so it's it's like I work within this system that she is overseeing that several people use. The other place that we use it for, which has turned out to be really great as well, is notes for me to the animator every time we go through a work in progress release. So like every time a video is rendered, I then go through and like leave all of the notes for changes that need to be made. And it's the same thing of like, it's great because we can have a little conversation in here about like, what did you actually mean about this? Or I can just like put in a screenshot and it creates this long list. So yeah, I I think I've really settled on this is a category of tool that's totally necessary there's things i don't like about it but i'm just i'm never going to think again about like ooh, maybe instead of notion i could get everybody to use my insane obsidian system like no 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 that's not how this is going to work like notion is obviously the best tool for this there is a designated person who's in charge of all it which is totally necessary yep and it actually is great the visual nature of it will appeal to way more people oh yeah yeah and genuinely like it has a ton of features that obsidian never really could replicate in the same way that are just better for what it is trying to do so yeah i highly recommend notion despite all of my frustrations and i'm really glad that it exists and particularly for a thing that we're working on this year it feels like Without this tool, the scale of fact checking would just simply not be possible. Mm. And like the Tiffany project was the first time I saw, oh, that where this is this is useful for everyone to try to coordinate. And like it's really proved itself again. So two thumbs up from Notion. It's great. Every team needs something like this the moment you're working on something non-trivial that's separate from the Slack where you're doing more day-to-day communications. Yeah, some of this stuff spread out the Relay FM quite a bit where 
you know, we have a lot of pieces of shared information in various Google Docs. Because, like, when we started our company, Notion didn't exist. Mm-hmm. None of these tools existed when RelayFM started. Yeah. You know, as we record today, actually, which is the 10th of November, I've been self-employed for eight years. Oh, wow. Congratulations. It's, it's my anniversary of being self-employed. Happy anniversary. Thank you so much. We have still been using Airtable for some sales stuff. But I'm mm-hmm. not sure it's long for this world for us. Like we keep outgrowing these systems and Carrie, our VP of sales, has been trying to sell me on a new one that she wants to use. So we're gonna try that out for a little bit. So I might talk about that next year. This stuff is so particular to the people that use it and it's just yes. it's not scaling with us in ways that we want it to. But we continue to use and have used forever Google Sheets as like a really good way of keeping revenue stuff how much money is going through the company on a monthly basis and like it's just easy mm-hmm. to do calculations and share them with a bunch of people uh, and it's rock solid works everywhere we've used google sheets since the inception of the company and like i outside of us building our own tools completely i can't imagine moving away from google sheets but like that is mm. a secondary thing that we've been thinking about like we have some like a web app for tracking advertising stuff which we've been building onto and it is a possibility that in the future we build enough functionality into that that we get rid of all of these sales tools and we just use that one hmm. because then it just works exactly the way that we want it to but we'll see but for now you're tracking all that stuff in google sheets is that what you're saying mostly google sheets yeah and it also runs as like a secondary backup to our own tool so we have like somewhere to check that information against so i'll give you like some examples so when we have a contract we have two google sheets that we book it into one which is like here's how much that contract is worth on a monthly basis broken down mm-hmm. and then a second google sheet which is like a kind of a calendar of all of our shows mm. we book in like spots right for like these are the sponsor spots they go into that calendar right we then have other systems that refer to this information so mm. we have our okay. own sales system where all of our hosts get their ad copy and they see where the ads are booked that is based on that original Google Sheet, which has all of the month-by-month breakdown, right? So, like, we have a contract. The contract information goes here, and then it is replicated somewhere else. So, we then have these three places of information, mm. which allows for making sure there are no mistakes because we can check against all of this stuff. We also have FreshBooks, where we send our invoices from. FreshBooks is also pulling from two places when we send out an invoice we're checking against our own sales tool and against the google sheet which has got the monthly listing of all of the ad spots so like the the value of them all so every time something's going into a system there's two other places that it can be checked from and we do this as like a a way to make sure things aren't getting missed and that Mm. calculations are correct and that everyone's got the ads that they need and so like, there's always these like three things. So that's like my, my concern of like if we built our own tools, like well that's removing one of the three. But we'll right. see. It's how we've worked forever. Mm. And so now we're kind of like it's got this like church and state separation vibe to it. <laughs> like the information lives in multiple places, which means that if there's a mistake made, we can find the truth, which is very valuable. Right. right. So like okay. if an ad spot is missed or booked somewhere wrong or the value is incorrect, the fact that we have multiple places where this information exists means we can find the answer. And we always do. I feel like I'll take your word that that works for Relay, which it obviously does. I just always feel like 
in general, information being redundant in multiple places is a bad sign. Like that's not how things should work. But I know. Like, I've never, I know as I know. say it, people like you're just duplicating work. But what I do know is I've had problems that I've fixed that I don't know how I would fix if we didn't have that information in one other place. Well, well I mean, Mike, wouldn't you use GitHub, right? And it will, after people have pushed, Push to, and fork. pushed to commit the tree, you can go back and, and see All where things went wrong. So you'd use, use Git. Yeah. You can see the rings the of leaves. the tree. I think that's how it yeah. that works. <laughs> so talking about like team stuff, I need to talk about my email app. Okay. So I use Spark. I use Spark as my email app because of its team sharing functionality. Spark recently unveiled a big overhaul of the app. Uh-oh. The biggest changes are on the desktop app. They have a new desktop app. So their old app, Spark 2, still exists, but it got Spark 3. But when a service does something like this, I want to try out the new one immediately because it's going to change stuff. And plus... Even though the new app only exists on the Mac, they've made changes to the old app, which they need to make so it works with the new app. So the phone, mm-hmm. while the phone app looks the same, it operates in some slightly different ways. Mm. They've added a bunch of features. Some, I've been using it for since it came out. It's like a month or so ago now. Some I've gotten used to and are good, but some are bad and are bad in like fundamental ways of like, this isn't badly architected. I think you're just, your whole idea is poor. So Mm. let me tell you some good stuff that they added, right? Two things that I really like. They are doing automatic categorization of email. So like newsletters, notifications, and people. It's pretty good at like, when an email comes in of putting it into one of these three categories. And what I like about this is it is doing it for all of my email accounts that I have in the app, right? It's not doing them per account or whatever like that. And it's relatively simple to move one to the other. Easier on the Mac than it is on the phone to do this right now, but it's possible to do. They're also doing blocking of senders. Someone sends me an email and I can block them and or I can block the entire domain from emailing me again. This is very good at dealing with some of the issues that I've spoken about in the past of like the PR emails that I get. Right, right. So now I no longer see the, hey, just checking in on this a week later because that person (laughs) is now blocked and I don't see them anymore. So they're the good. Now we get to the bad. This is one that I think you will find as frustrating as me. You no longer archive an email. Uh Oh. You done an email. What? What does that mean? So you mark an email as done. Okay. And it goes to the done folder. And then if you want to put an email back in your inbox, you mark it as not done. How is this different from archive versus inbox? Oh, it isn't. Oh, it's just a new metaphor for no reason? Yeah, for some reason, Spark feel like they need to change this word. They're like branding the concept of archiving a message. That that feels a little bit like what it is. So you mark an email as done or not done. And then they actually now have changed the done section to say archive, but it's got the tick next to it that the rest of the app has. So like they haven't even fully committed anymore to the whole idea of done and not done. (laughs) Okay, that I don't like. A lot of my issues with the app is that they have this like opinion about how I should be mm-hmm. doing my email. With like, by default, the app has a home screen on the Mac, right? Which you can mm-hmm. turn off. 
But the home screen is like, as you can imagine, like, here's a field. How are you doing today? And by default, they want you to only have access to your inbox a couple of times a day. Mm, no. No. I don't need an app to tell me how to do email. I will tell the app how I want to do my email, right? Like, you don't need to save me from email. It is what it is. Like, I don't need you to impose your ideas on me. Like, this kind of stuff I find so frustrating where, like, people always talk about opinionated software. This is something we do not need to have an opinion about email, right? Like, it is set. The ways we use it are set. You are not going to change it. Mm -hmm. Slack couldn't. You're not going to either, right? Like, this is not going to sell more subscriptions for you. Like, this is their thing. They've now moved. Like, the app is fully subscription. I've been paying for the team functionality for a long time. Now they've moved to a subscription model, which is fine, I think, right? But, like, they have rushed out, I think, a new version of their application to change their business model to subscription because, like, the Mac app especially is janky in a ton of ways. As of recording now, there is no column view. Everything is all in one window. So you want to look at an email? Right? Oh, I was like, how would you? Oh, no, that's awful. It's like the photos app. Like you click on an email and then... And now it's full. And if you want to reply (laughs) to the email, it like pops up in a tiny little box in the bottom right-hand corner. Now, they're saying they're going to add column view, but they shipped a version of their app with no column view. Why was column view ever taken out of an email app? That's crazy. Well, okay, great. Part of the reason is they've moved it to Electron, which I don't care about, but they've done this Mm -hmm. so they can be on Windows, which I think is a perfectly valid reason to do this architecture change. But if you're going to do this architecture change, don't take away things like column view. Right? It's madness to me. Like, I cannot look at my inbox and emails in the same place. Like, I either mm. look at my inbox or I look at an email and then nothing else changes. Currently, there's no printing in the application. You cannot print an email. That's weird. Which for me, you must say, why would you want to do that? I get a lot of invoices, right? Like receipts and need them for my accounting. Yeah. So I, I print them as a PDF, save them to a Dropbox folder, and they go to the accounting software that I use. I can't do that on the Mac version anymore. I have to go to the iOS version. And like, just in general, there's a lot of like weird jankiness. But like this whole like, opinionated thing i just don't need it you don't need Mm -hmm. to do this for me like i can work on my own with my email like i've been using it for a long enough time and like i started looking at some other apps and i've learned to live with the weirdness of it and they have been making changes like when it shipped it had no dark mode but they've added the dark mode in Mm -hmm. i think that they are making some mistakes about trying to tell me how i should use email And and i just find this whole idea of like done rather than archive to just be kind of insulting in a way you're not having a big grand vision here you're just changing a word and it's completely pointless when the effect is the same Mm. ultimately i've learned to live with some of the strangeness and i'm putting my faith in them to fix the broken things i don't think they're going to fix the ideology stuff and i'll see how that probably continues to make the app weirder in the future right like they've said that they're going to have a brand new design for the iphone app in the future and that might break me if they continue to make that as weird as they've made the mac app in a bunch of ways but what keeps me here is how good the team sharing is i don't know what my future is for email but spark has like gone from this stasis for me to a question mark now because i think that they might be starting to go in a direction that does not align for me which is I use your app as a team-focused email communication tool. I do not use it as a 
let's fix email tool. Email's broken. Right. You're yeah. never going to fix it. Stop trying. Yeah, it sounds like they're trying to move to a emails as to-do items metaphor. Kind but of? even then, they're not doing that right. Like, uh. if that's what they're going to do, then let me do a bunch of stuff with it, right? Let me set due dates or whatever. Let me set a date on something rather than snooze. Let me set, Why not? Let me rearrange them like I could in Mailbox, which is something I'll ask for forever. Like, if you're going to go down that <laughs> route, like, yeah. make it work more like a to-do app. But they're not doing any of that. It's just the button that used to be archive is now called done, and they've moved it into another part of the application, like, visually, and changed the iconography for it. It's very frustrating when uh-huh. something that's core and and is perfectly fine does a major change. Like, <laughs> I think I think we all know the dread when when yeah. you see an app you use, be like, "Hey, we've done a major redesign." Like, oh no, yeah. <laughs> why is this almost always worse? This is yeah. so much rarely better. At this better. point, like, <laughs> if I wasn't using the team stuff, I would have moved to Apple's Mail app just so I could have some consistency in my life. Right. Well, I was going to ask like. What's your fallback if you have to move out of this? Because like that 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 mm. team stuff has seemed really critical to your workflow critical, for yeah. years. So I'm just like I'm wondering like what even is the next option? There are other apps that exist. Um, I use an app called Missive for a, a couple of days, and it's just got its own set of things that I really don't like. One of the biggest ones for me is the notifications. I like that if I get an email notification, I can archive the email from the notification can't do that in missive they just haven't added that functionality which is not a big thing but it's something that i do a lot and that bugged me mm-hmm. there's a lot of little things in the application which were like this isn't the way that i do them maybe i could get used to it but i don't know so that one lives out there as like a, here's another one that is come recommended from people of like this is an app that does like team communication stuff i mean honestly if spark like goes away then i'm gonna have to redo the way that i work with email completely um and i don't know what that's going to be yet probably gonna have to go back to working in the really inefficient way of referencing emails in slack chats Oof, which i really don't want to do feels like barbaric compared Mm -hmm. to what you were doing yeah that feels awful so i don't i don't really know what i will do and it's why i will hang on for way longer Mm -hmm. than i would normally to spark like i said if i was a spark user without any of the team stuff this change that they made i would have left Hmm. because it's just like i just don't like the direction the app is going in and that's never a good feeling because i'm also getting at the moment this sense of desperation for a business model change and that also never feels good (sighs) because i feel like they shipped this version of the app sooner than they should have and i feel like they only shipped it so they could have subscriptions for everyone and that makes me nervous because they didn't wait until the app was ready to ship it and change their business model oh so you you're right okay so, so what you're worried there's like just like a purely a revenue problem is the reason that they shipped too soon uh-huh mm, right. they have a brand new version of the app only on one platform right that is where strange. they're saying that it's coming strange. to every platform and they've made architectural changes to the other apps so they work together with the new version. And the new version is missing a bunch of really simple features. And they're also keeping the old Mac app around because they know this. But they did this so they could say, here's our new subscription pricing. 
mm. for the app. So that that whole thing makes me nervous, as well as the fact of like I just don't agree with some of the decisions that they're making. So I'm just gonna stick around for now, but I do, I I feel like now compared to every other year, I'm like maybe I've got one foot out the door here, but I don't yeah. know where that's two. This episode of Cortex is brought to you by Fitbod. Fitbod is the app that is going to learn about you, your goals, your training ability, and craft a personalized exercise plan to meet your needs. They have a fantastic app that makes it so easy to learn how to perform all of their exercises. No matter how often you're working out, Fitbod will make sure that they track your muscle recovery. They make sure that the plan that they develop for you, which is available in their awesome app, is balanced of a variety of exercises. You're never going to be overworking anything. You're never going to be underworking anything. Fitbod knows how to get it done. They have HD video tutorials. They're shot from multiple angles. They're going to make sure that learning every single exercise is a breeze for you. They integrate with Apple Watch, Wear OS smartwatch, apps like Strava, Fitbit, and Apple Health. I was thinking about this the other day as I was actually working out at the time, how much Fitbod has really changed my life in the last year because it set me on a path to understanding more about what I value in fitness. And what I learned is it's exactly what I talk about in every single one of these ads is that you don't want to have to compete with other people for personal fitness. It should be something that is unique to you. That is when it becomes something you will focus on, and I know that was what made the difference for me. Also, having the availability to do this whenever I want, whenever I need, because balancing everything going on in our lives can make this stuff difficult to make a priority. That's why it's so good that Fitbot is available whenever you are inside of their fantastic app. So trust me, give this one a go. I think it can make a big difference. Personalized training of this quality can be expensive. Fitbod is just $12.99 a month or $79.99 a year, but you can get 25% off your membership when you sign up at fitbod.me slash cortex. So go now and get your customized fitness plan in the awesome Fitbod app at fitbod.me slash cortex, and you'll get 25% off your membership, fitbod.me slash cortex for 25% off. Our thanks to Fitbod for their support of this show and Relay FM. I totally feel your pain with all that Spark stuff because under the writing apps category, I like I went through this same journey with Ulysses and Obsidian. The timeline here is I think it was like two years ago, Ulysses did the same thing where they came out with like, oh, we have a whole new UI redesign for our sidebar. And it was just I don't need to go over it, but it was just the same sort of thing. Like it was insane. Who is this for? Like, I can't imagine the user this is better for. And it was really frustrating. The previous year then, I was half using Ulysses and half using Obsidian trying to see what is going to work for me. And this is the year where I actually went through all of my Ulysses archive and like moved everything over to Obsidian. So now like this, this transition is complete. I have absolutely nothing left in Ulysses. None of the old projects I've been working on it's all been moved into Obsidian. And I'm really happy with that as a system, like as heartbreaking as it was to have to switch from an app that I really liked. The new one is much better. And I'm mm. so happy with like actually now having everything in Obsidian. And it is one of these apps where the more you can completely have everything in it, 
the more value it gets. It's like a network effect for itself of being able to reference all of your other little notes or quickly connect different scripts in different projects. So yeah, there's there's a way in which like now having everything in Obsidian, I really like it because I can do things like have an overview of like, let me pull out everything that I've ever written that might potentially be a script on any topic and say sort by size, which tells me like how much have I written about any of these individual topics? Like it's really nice to be able to go through that and then filter through projects and say like, okay, this one is definitely dead. It's never going to happen. Or like, oh, this is intriguing. I've been adding more to this over the years than I thought I have. Like this note on this topic is slowly getting bigger and bigger. And one of the key things that I realized this year about using Obsidian that has also just totally locked it in has to do with what I was discussing about with OmniFocus at the start. Over the years, one of the like constant frustrations with OmniFocus as a to-do app for me was trying to put in all of the little things that relate to writing a script. When I'm working on a project, there can easily come up like 10 little things while I'm writing a script where you go like, oh, I need I need to just like double check that part over here or go like, ah, what was that number? Like how many of these things were there really? Or, oh, I should, uh, I need to uh, order the book for this thing and then read it. Or like this section needs to wait until I've read this other thing over here. There's like, there's just a lot of these little things. And for whatever reason, it just never worked in OmniFocus to do this. Mm. It always felt like it was like a little bit too disjointed. When I'm writing, that was also always too fluid. Like those to-dos could come and go very easily where it's not that the to-do was ever completed in a sense, but I just instantly realized while writing, oh, actually, I don't ever need to do that because I've just cut this whole paragraph. And so these three little like, check these things in here, they've just disappeared. And trying to go back into OmniFocus and like, what were those three? Because they're disconnected from the actual paragraph. It was always just like a frustration point. I never really had a good way to handle that. But now in Obsidian, that is totally a solved problem. And for anyone who knows the words that I'm about to say, I have returned to kind of the dream of the thing that got me through college, which was org mode on Emacs. But basically, with Obsidian now, there's a little system where when I'm typing, if something comes up in a sentence that is basically like a little to-do, there's a writer's trick, which is writers have always typed like TKK, which is a little set of letters that just doesn't pop up often in the English language. And so writers have like, as long as there there have been writers using typewriters, have used this as a trick to like, oh, here's a thing that I need to go back. But what's great in Obsidian is when I do TKK, I have the computer automatically replace that with the little formatting for a footnote. And in the footnote, I can type whatever the to-do item is for like, this is the thing that I need to check. And then Obsidian has a way where I can search across 
all of my notes in the entire system for everything that is formatted like a footnote, and it puts it in a little list in the sidebar. So it acts like a pseudo to-do list of here's all of the things. And I can also sort them by like most recently typed, which basically brings them up in terms of like what projects are you actively working on, not every single thing in the whole system. And it's really easy then to work with to-dos that I'm adding in line in the script itself. And mm. it's like fan-fantastic. Like this is the solution to the biggest to-do problem that I have had for years. And no other writing app has ever been able to perform both of these parts, which is have a way to enter something that is like a to-do but also have a way to search across multiple projects in a really coherent way so that it's easy to like burn through a bunch of these things. And what is just so fantastic about this is one of the things I've been really working on this year is trying to be really aware of work that I can kick to my couch self who later in the evening is going to be sitting on the couch and like is in a very low energy mode, but he can do some stuff that's still useful work. And so this is one of these ways where it's really great. Like, oh, I can type with the script. I can like throw in a like, hey, double check that number. Or one of the ones recently is like, I need a spreadsheet that tells me exactly how big a subset of the states in the United States are, minus their lakes, but not all of the states. And it's like, that's a perfect <laughs> kind of task to do on the couch because it's totally brainless. It's just like, hey, put together this little thing, look up a bunch of numbers, copy and paste some stuff. But like that kind of thing, putting it in OmniFocus, it would never have made sense because depending on if that paragraph just got like blown away, it, you know, like then that to do goes away as well. So it's it's really nice. Like I can be working in the morning, like I'm trying to focus mainly on the words and the story and the overall flow of the script. I can throw in these little to do items. And then in the evening, when I'm being much lazier, but still feeling like I can do some useful work, I can quickly pull up a list of all of these things while they're in line and try to knock out like the easy ones that I can do, like while my wife is watching a movie and I'm just sitting there. Having those to do's right in the script where they are is killer because even when I'm in this kind of low power mode, I'll often adjust the wording of a paragraph based on however that little to-do turned out. So like that's also why it's really critical to have those items in line, like here is the paragraph that it's related to. And I'm just so happy about this. Like mm. I love everything about this. Why format them like footnotes? Why not format them like to-dos? I think you can you can have to-dos in Obsidian, right? Yeah, you can have straight up to-dos. What I'm actually doing when I'm doing this search is I'm, I'm looking for both the footnote formatting and the to-do formatting. The reason I'm doing it as the footnote formatting is that when I export the script as a PDF to either give to fact checkers or give to the animator, I can like strip out all the footnotes because like that stuff is mostly just for me. 
Uh, so it's like a formatting issue of I want to be able to give this to someone without necessarily having the footnotes in there. Right. And it also just like it sort of is much nicer to work with the way Obsidian happens to be formatted. Okay. In theory, I could totally do it as actual to-do items. It's just while writing, it kind of works nicer to have them be pseudo footnotes. Okay. So they're functioning mostly the same for you, but there's just a it's just a way it's presented. Do you prefer? Yeah, it's it's eighty percent like a presentation format for each script that ends up being a major project. Like if we take the runways video that went up, what's really great in Obsidian is it can also now like I've got this system just like totally totally solid of there is the script, and I also have a little project file which links to the script but the project file also links to like my personal research on this and it links to a little file that I call like scratch where I put paragraphs that I haven't deleted them like maybe I'll bring them back but I think they're just out of the script for now so like I can copy and paste them over there and it's just really nice to be able in obsidian to look at the sort of project file which is an overview of everything that you want to do the research, the scripts, like stuff that you've sort of deleted, but maybe not entirely all at once. And I will sometimes add little to-dos in the project file as well. And then I do use the regular to-do formatting. Um, but it's it's just like the main thing that really matters here is realizing the scripts and the writing and the, the personal research that I do all a coherent little unit that just lives in this one app and I can see it all the time and not switching out to a to-do manager that has no concept of where any of these things are related to. That has just been absolutely killer this year. And it's not something I could ever possibly have achieved with Ulysses. And it's just great. Like, I cannot express how much more pleasant it has been to work with this. And I feel like I found the thing that really works with my brain. And the other thing that's really nice about having everything together in one system is also with Obsidian, often when I'm working on a script, it's like, okay, I'm typing, 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 I'm writing, writing, writing. It'll pop into my brain like, oh, actually, the thing that I'm talking about here that made me think of a, like a good couple of lines to add to another topic. I was like, boom, boom, boom. With just a couple of little keyboard hits, I can switch into that other script, add that sentence, and then like flip right back into the thing that I was working on. And so this is one of these ways of like, oh, great. Even when I'm working on whatever the current main project is, it's very easy and importantly, super fast to switch into a different project add a couple of sentences and then like get right back into the main thing without breaking flow. And that that's another thing that I've just never found in another writing app. Most of them kind of assume when you've loaded up whatever document you're working on, you're going to be there. And it's like, no, no, I want to be able to in 10 seconds, get to a different thing, add a sentence and get back. And that's like, in almost every other thing I've ever used, that's really hard to do or it's like literally impossible to do without taking your hands off the keyboard, which I don't want to. So, uh, yeah, Obsidian. Love it. This is the year that has totally made it just like so solid as the scripts, my research, and then the last little piece that I didn't know I was missing is throw in inline to do's that relates to what you're working on at the exact point that you're working on them. 
Do you ever use Obsidian on iOS? It's funny that you asked that, Mike. Because do you remember how people were suggesting that I use Git a little while ago for all of my syncing needs? Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm like I'm not really gonna bring that up. Again, thanks everyone for suggesting Git. Uh, it looks like a total nightmare. I don't want to touch with a okay. 40 foot pole. One of the things that has happened this year is there's a trade-off that I've decided to make, which is I can solve a problem I was talking about previously, which is I want to be able to export a script as a PDF. I want to be able to mark that up by hand and then give that markup to my assistant and have her make the changes directly on the text file. For a bunch of reasons that we don't need to get into, that was really hard to do unless I switched over to using Dropbox to manage my Obsidian files. The trade-off there is if you use Dropbox, you can't use Obsidian on iOS. It requires and iCloud Drive, right? The, the iCloud yeah, you thing. have to use it with iCloud Drive. And then the iCloud Drive was the thing that like, oh, this is a total nightmare, especially when my assistant is using a Windows machine. It's like, no, no, you are going to totally bork your files that way. And we tried to test it out. And yes, it was like, it just was totally unworkable. And so last month, I finally made the call that while I do sometimes use Obsidian on the iPad, I don't think I use it enough to be worth the trade-off of like over the last year, basically never having done any of the handwritten stuff that I think really adds a lot to the writing process. Mm. So I've switched over to Dropbox. I've tested it with my assistant a couple of times so we know like this actually works. It works really solidly. We can near instantly type on the same document without problems. You can have a document open and they can be typing in it and it doesn't cause problems, the sync issues or anything like that. It's all happening live. Yeah. So what happens is if she has the document open and I have the document open and she's typing, I will see her sentences appear on my side live. Where we would get into trouble is if we're both trying to type at the same time because Dropbox isn't doing right. that. So as long as both of us don't have hands on the keyboard, yeah. there's no problem. When you say live, you don't mean like Google Docs live. No, no. That, that's why I said near live. Near live. Right? Yeah, is, yeah, okay. But this is also not a problem because there's never any scenario where with both the time change and the way I kind of like alternate which project I'm working on every day, we're never going to have a conflict. Mm -hmm. And the, also we've just set up the system that like at the very top, she can just type the word like done or completed. So I, I open the document on my end. I know she's over. Like she's yeah. finished whatever work needs These to These things are very workable with a convention, like a check-in, check-out convention system. Yeah, exactly. Right? Like me and you have that for the logic projects of the edits, right? Like mm -hmm. you won't touch it till I tell you to and I won't touch it until you tell me to. It's very simple, yeah, exactly. right? Like it just takes a message of like, I'm done, the edit's yours. And then you'll say, I'm done, the edit's yours. And in between those times, neither of us yeah, are going to open the Yeah, you just don't ever touch project. it. Just don't touch it. Like you just don't need to touch yeah. it, don't touch it. Yeah. yeah. I, I, like, I even have that system with myself with uh, Final Cut and Dropbox where ever, everyone's always like, you can't have Final Cut projects in Dropbox. It's like, yeah, you can't if two people want to open it at the same time. But like, mm. I, I routinely uh, want to edit a Final Cut project on a different project. But my 
check-in with myself system is I'm never allowed to open Final Cut if Dropbox is syncing, right? Like if the, if that little logo is spinning around, it's like I am not allowed to open up Final Cut. Right. And that but like ever since I set that rule, it's like I've now I haven't had a problem in years with like a syncing conflict with Final Cut and Dropbox even though everyone says it's impossible. It's like no no. The check-in check-out stuff really fixes stuff. So mm-hmm. that's like another check mark in favor of Obsidian. And yes, I have to give it up on iOS, which is slightly annoying. But if you have to pick like what's the trade-off here, I think this is the correct trade-off. Now, I haven't actually used this that much because we've like just gotten it set up because I finally decided I'm going to make that decision. So we'll see how that goes over the course of the next year. But I'm I'm really happy about that set of trade-offs of, okay, I can go back to the hand editing of scripts. Also really key is that I can share with her just the active projects and don't have to risk like, oh, this entire weird database that is like the inside of my brain and arranged <laughs> very squirrely. She's not exposed to any of that. No and also be. it doesn't, yeah. And it doesn't risk like getting messed up from her side of it either. It's like, no, no, we just have at most like five documents that are actually being shared between us. And that's perfect. That's all we need. It reminds me of like the Ark of the Covenant moment in indiana jones (laughs) like somebody opens that upset and they're just their face melts off (laughs) i think a lot of tools exist on a spectrum of is this a team using it or is it one person using it and you can be in a real disaster if you're using like one one way or the other and obsidian is very much on the like this is an amazing tool for one person it's not a great tool for a bunch of people and like notion is on the opposite end like this is a great tool for a bunch of people like it might not be the best tool just for one person but yeah so anyway the not having to expose her to absolutely everything that's going on in obsidian is definitely a plus side i would be very surprised if they do not try to tackle the team problem and like create yeah a they might team system or i mean if they want to I mean, if they want to be a successful long-term business, they will go for that, right? Like, because that's where the money is. You get companies to buy into this stuff. You're in the enterprise now, right? Like, that's true. That's why all these companies go that way. Like, if they want to turn it into a big business, which I'm sure they do, I I don't know, but I don't know the people that make Obsidian. But my expect, I would be very surprised if they didn't try to tackle the enterprise. Yeah, I agree with that. I'm just saying like in its current state, it's clearly a one person tool. I just want to mention a couple of little add-ons to Obsidian if anyone wants to try it as my like top recommended ones. So Obsidian also has this whole complicated system of like plugins that you can add, which change the fundamental way that it works. And for me, like my top four recommended ones are if you're a writer, you can enable typewriter mode. So there's a plugin that lets you keep the cursor in the center so that the text scrolls up when you press the down arrow key and vice versa, which is just really nice to visually keep the text in the middle. And also so you can see what's before whatever you're writing and what's after whatever you're writing always. So I, I really like that. Uh, there's a plugin which is called Advanced Tables which allows you to just have slightly more complicated tables than the default and also keeps those tables really tidy. There's a plugin called Outliner, 
which makes, I guess the way they kind of describe it is it makes outlines work much more like Rome. So if you're a Rome user and you're thinking about going to Obsidian, like Outliner is the number one thing that you should just install. I really like it. And it's also the thing that is making me think that I w- would use like a note for Cortex in Obsidian is being able to just like entirely through the keyboard, do a bunch of outline stuff indent, outdent, and I think through Dropbox, I should be able to have notes that append to a file. That's also part of like why I didn't think of doing this before is there was no way to append to a document in iCloud, but you can do that with Dropbox. And then if you really get into Obsidian, you should probably check out DataView, which is, it's a plugin that allows you to do the thing that I mentioned at the beginning, like more complicated queries. Show me all of the documents I have tagged with script, sorted by file size, or sorted by last modified. Or, you know, show me all of the ideas that I haven't marked as dead that are also non-zero file sizes, like this kind of thing. It allows you to do much more complicated queries. So those are the things that if you're going to use Obsidian, I would probably recommend installing them. They make it significantly more helpful. And also my favorite theme is still the 80s neon theme, which is just awesome and makes me feel like I'm a cool hacker every time I'm working on a project. Also in this category, since this is sort of like writing and research, because I don't know where else to mention it, I'm just going to mention Safari and Safari's tab groups as a thank you to the team who has made this. Like, man, tab groups have just have become absolutely vital over the last year for all projects. Like, I love them so much. And... I was I was trying to <laughs> I can't find numbers for these things but I have some research projects where the tab groups are insanely long like I'm looking at one for what is my current project and there have to be a hundred tabs at least open for uh, one of several projects that I have I just love them. The tab groups are great. The fact that they sync is also really good for this like splitting the workday kind of thing between when I'm on the couch and when I'm in my office, where when I'm in researching mode, I tend to like open up a ton of tabs and just like keep adding and adding and adding stuff. And then at the end of the day, when I'm on the couch, I try to do the reverse of like go through and just close out the tabs where you looked up something, but you don't need to have this currently open. And so it's a nice way in which a project kind of can be grown and trimmed and grown and trimmed every day by like adding tabs and removing tabs. And it just wouldn't be as easy to do without sync. Like if they just lived on one computer, it'd be extremely frustrating. But I will just say the developers for Safari, I am begging you. I'm I'm, I'm going to be down on my knees and I am begging you to let me have the option to open new links in a default tab group. It still just kills this me. This is so annoying. It drives me mad. Okay, you're on my team with oh, this now? Because like, yeah. when it first came out, I, like people were fighting against this. They're like, this is not how browsers work. And I'm just like, this is insane. Like, it, it says the, the thing that I keep thinking of is it's like if the, if the developers for notes were like, oh, hey, All of your folders in notes will sync with iCloud, but every time you make a new note, it's going to be saved in a local folder on that device that doesn't sync. Mm -hmm. And it's like, it's so frustrating. It kills Mm me. Um, And it like, it ends up causing me to feel like a janitor who has to go around and 
on different devices constantly try to clear out whatever happened to get opened up locally on the device. I hate it so much. So please, if this isn't an option by the next state of the apps, I'm going to be so sad. Like this may be across every piece of software I use my absolute number one requested feature. Please, I have a tab group called browsing. Let all new links open in the browsing tab group and sync everywhere. I'm begging you, Safari developers. I am begging you. Let this be an option. It's so frustrating. So when I add entertainment as a new category, and in trying to think about this, I didn't really have good recommendations that weren't also tied to hardware in some way Hmm. you know if you talk about like entertainment like i can tell you that what streaming services i use and what podcast apps i use but to me none of them were really like here's something unique about this that you kind of is is special Mm -hmm. to this app because really it's the content more than the right service or the app but i wanted to recommend sonos the sonos speakers yeah okay so we just got some sonos stuff at home because we just moved and I wanted to kind of lay out the new home to always be able to play music in the whole house. And, you know, I've tried stuff like this with HomePods, but I, I I don't really like the way that you share music to HomePods. I don't like AirPlay. I think controlling music on HomePods is frustrating. Like, there's always this yeah. element of like, I'm going to send the music here. Oh, it's the worst. Right? And now do I have control of other audio? Like, then how do I control? It's very annoying. Yeah. And on the Thoroughly Considered podcast, Tom and Dan had Adam Lisa on, and they were talking about the Sonos Move, I think it is. They have like a portable speaker, right? There's like a, a big okay. one. They have like a small one, and they have like a like a big one. It's like a full speaker. It is the Move and they were talking about that. And then I kind of started looking into it. And I was like, I think this might be what I want. So I set up Sonos last week. It's great. So I have a couple of speakers in the house at the moment. And the app is so smart in like a way that I can't believe they've been able to do it. So you can sign in in the Sonos app to multiple music streaming services from multiple people. Hmm. So in the Sonos app, I've connected my Apple Music account and Adina's Spotify account. And inside the application, you can choose the music you want to play from either of those services. It includes like all of the stuff that you've added to your service and the playlist that those services make. So like Adina's Spotify playlists are in there. My Apple Music playlists are in there. And it's very easy to control what's playing where. You could just choose Mm. in the app, like press a button to play it on this one. And then you can just with one tap of a button, then play it on multiple speakers. You can group the speakers together. It's really good. It's very easy to control. And the UI of dealing with the music, searching for music, and it searches all of the systems that are connected at once, right? Like all of the services, I should say, that are connected. It searches all of them. It's really clever. And I think it's very smart and it's integrated very well with Spotify. So like if you're just in the Spotify app, you can just press a button and it will start like just immediately playing the music on the Sonos. I could just press one button. And with mm. Apple Music, I can control it in the same clunky way I can control HomePods if I want to, right? Like it has AirPlay support. You can do all of that. Um, it also has like its own voice assistant built into it, which is good for like stop it, like starting and stopping music if you want to do that. So here's a fun thing. The voice 
that they have used. You know, like all of these assistants have a voice, right, where it talks back to you. Mm -hmm. Giancarlo Esposito is the voice. You may know him as one of the villains of Breaking Bad, one of the villains of Mandalorian. It is, he's got a great voice. (laughs) Oh, right. But it's super Uh interesting to be like, we're going to choose this like really well-known villain (laughs) as as the voice assistant, but it sounds great. It's an opinionated voice decision. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you've chosen one of the great voices working today, but like, just intriguing, like the, how people recognize that voice. I recognize him as like a oh. terrifying villain. <laughs> so, but, you know, you do you, Sonos. He's a villain in The Boys. Yeah, yep. he's got a little niche he's carved out for him. Great villain. But now also Sonos assistant voice. But, yeah, I huh. am very happy with this purchase. And also, like, because we haven't got all of our stuff set up, we haven't, I haven't unboxed our HomePods yet. But I can also attach the audio from my apple tv to the sonos too so like i had set up the sonos that's, a, that's what i was wondering yeah okay. and i can also play all my apple tv content through the sonos too and it also sounds fantastic so i'm i might i might like we haven't set up the home pods yet i don't know if i'm going to hmm. i haven't decided i may just use the sonos speaker instead of no so they have all the their own Equipment like I might get a Sonos soundbar and just use that instead of mm. setting up the HomePod pair that I had before. I'm not sure yet, but I like it. When you're logged into Apple Music mm-hmm. in the Sonos app, mm-hmm. does it basically just show you your Apple Music library? Like, is it mirroring that? Yeah, I have access to, to all of it. Could you use the Sonos app as a complete replacement for the Apple Music app and like never open the Apple Music app again? I believe so. Hmm. Okay, that's quite that's that's quite interesting. I can't confirm all of that for you right now because I can't use the Sonos app when I'm not connected to my Sonos system. What do you mean by that? Well, I'm not at home right now. All my Sonos is at home. So, like, if I open the app now, it can't connect to the Sonos, so it doesn't show me anything. Okay, I guess what I'm saying is, can you use that app to play music to your AirPods on your way home? No. Okay, so it does. Okay, so that's that's the limitation. It has to yep. be connected to the speakers. Okay, that you must be on the same right. network as the speaker to use the Sonos app because the Sonos app is just a controller for the Sonos speakers. Okay, yeah, that's interesting. Especially being able to connect to the Apple TV, that's very nice. It has AirPlay. It's, all, it's got AirPlay stuff. And... I, I think I'm gonna I'm gonna wait to see if Apple comes out with something else and for the HomePods, but. If they don't, like at some point, I'm going to have to move. And this is the first like sounds reasonable option to move to that I've come across. Yeah. So yeah, that, that's, a, that's a good recommendation. This is sort of entertainment, but I, I don't know where else to put it. I feel like last year you were talking about moving to more RSS. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I'm really glad that you suggested that. I, I feel like that was a suggestion that I like hit me at the exact right time when I was open to something like this of like, I'm frustrated with my internet experience. I, I need to make it better. And so I've tried to go all in on RSS and I've done it by uh, using two RSS apps. I'm using Reader and I'm using NetNewsWire. I'm using Reader to try to collect all of the interesting bloggers who I want to follow. 
And it's been kind of delightful this year to discover, oh, blogs aren't quite as dead as I thought they were. Like there's a bunch of interesting writers out there who are are like still doing traditional blogs. So it's been fun doing that. I'd love it if listeners have any suggestions for interesting blogs to follow to leave them on the Reddit because I'm looking out for new stuff. <laughs> that is one of the broadest. Like, do you want to give like like blog? What kind of blogs? Like, just you just like has anyone got website recommendations for me? For some <laughs> cool new websites. I, I, yeah, I guess no. I guess I guess yeah. What what I mean by that is. I'll give an example. Like, there's a blog called A Collection of Unmitigated Pedantry. And this is like a a guy who's a historian, and he just writes really interesting articles that go into detail about something related to history, usually vaguely logistics related. Uh, And he, he caught my attention when he did a series about, like, how realistic could the military logistics of Lord of the Rings be? And this is the kind of stuff that I just love, where it's like someone really digs into detail about like some topic that they care a lot about. Yeah. When I say like, oh, I'm interested in some blogs, like I'm looking for like interesting people who care a lot about something. It, to me, there's also just like, totally excludes everything that's vaguely politics uh i'm not interested in anyone who's like a pundit in any way so i've just been trying to like build up a little collection of like oh these people are interesting writers in in the way that i don't know in a pre-internet age like they'd be writing a column in a magazine about like a topic but i put this into entertainment because i've really tried to train myself over the past year of when you have that moment of like I'm going to go on the internet. It's like, no, don't do that. Open reader and see what is in here since the last time and like go through the interesting people that you found on the internet to read their stuff. And like that should be the default starting place. But what has also been great is the reason I'm using two RSS readers is I'm also using NetNewsWire to track all of what would be my YouTube subscriptions. So this is the same thing where I'm trying to train a behavior, which is, oh, hey, when you want to like watch something, don't go to YouTube.com and let the algorithm do. It's like, here's the eight things that we think are going to be most engaging to you. It's like, no, no, no. It's the same thing here. Who do you think make interesting videos and just subscribe to them and then see when they have something new. And I'm just really liking this as the separate experience. So this is what I've been doing in terms of like default reading entertainment for the internet and default video entertainment for the internet. Use two RSS readers and just like open them up, intentionally subscribe to something, intentionally read and watch something. Use much less of the like, hey, an algorithm thought you might be interested in this article or this video. And it's definitely improved my internet experience. So RSS, it's the new old hotness. Thanks, Mike. (laughs) Anytime, man. (laughs) Anytime. (laughs) (laughs) Do you have anything else you want to mention in entertainment? I don't think so. I think I'm good with Sonos. I think that's my one good pick. All right, then let me just give uh, three video game recommendations uh, for this (laughs) entertainment section. I didn't know we were video game recommending. I mean, now we're in a different world, but go on. No, that's that's entertainment. Where else would video games go if they were not entertainment? Uh, Sure. The two are going to be super quick. This is no surprise. I feel sort of dumb mentioning it, but I am going to say it again. Magic the Gathering. There's a Magic the Gathering arena. It's f***ing 
amazing. Like I was just thinking about it today. Like people complain about it forever. If you've listened to me for this long, if you've made it this far in our State of the Apps episode, you may be a person who would like Magic the Gathering. And it's still kind of amazing to me that the online version is as good as it is. I think there's tons of stuff that's just like better in the online version. And so, yeah, it's just like I've spent a huge amount of time on it this year. Haven't regretted a minute spent. Love it. Hmm. I've also mentioned Hades. Talked about it a couple of times. Just want to like reemphasize. Big recommendation. I think we've been talking about it in more text. Yeah, yeah. We have been talking about it more and more text. So if you haven't listened in more text, Hades, Dungeon, Roguelike on the Steam Deck. I've been playing it so much better than it has any right to be. Just like highly, highly recommend one of the best games in the past many years. And here's the one I really want to push. So I stumbled upon a game a couple months ago. It's called Dungeon Wars 2. (laughs) Dungeon Wars 2 is a tower defense game. Now, this is a genre that I was was trying to think of like a metaphor where it feels like when the iPhone first came out, the tower defense genre kind of exploded. Like there were a bunch of these. Can I ask you, is it Dungeon Warfare or Dungeon Wars? Oh, yes. Thank you, Mike. The correct name is Dungeon Warfare 2. Okay. You're right. This is the, like, I, when I looked at it on my iPad, it's that abbreviated name. But uh-huh. yes, it's Dungeon Warfare 2 is the full name. So, if you like tower defense games, I feel that in the last decade, this genre, the best metaphor that I can think of is, it's like a lake full of algae it's not dead, but it's not exactly alive or interesting either. Yeah, it was like the game format for a long time on iOS and iPadOS, right? Like it was like yeah. so many of them and they were so popular and then it just seemed to stop. With the exception of the Kingdom Rush series, which has been like the uncontested top contender in this for years now... Like, I just think most of these games are terribly uninteresting. A lot of them are borderline scammy and just, like, trying to keep your attention. Mm -hmm. It's just awful, and I've always been really sad because I just... I love this genre so much. You're just building towers, and there's a bunch of guys who are going to try to run past them, and your towers are going to try to shoot them down. It's so simple, but it can be really satisfying. But I've been extra sad because Kingdom Rush, which has been this, like, top contender... It's always felt to me like the designers of Kingdom Rush like something like they're they're getting something else out of tower defense games that I'm not. That they they seem to be slightly more on the puzzle side like oh we're going to have a very small number of towers and you win by figuring out the exact right order to build them in. I was like, hey, you know what I want out of a tower defense game? A lot of towers. Like, that's what I want to build. That's the whole thing that I'm looking for. And Kingdom Rush always seems to push against that. So anyway, all of this is to say, like, I was on one of my sad trawls through the app store being like, oh, let me see if I can find anything interesting that's a tower defense game. And I somehow stumbled upon Dungeon Warfare 2. And I love it so much. Like, it feels like the the person who made this is like, ah, this is what I love out of tower defense games. Lots of towers. They're really interesting. Like, it's the first time in years I've seen someone 
do a bunch of interesting, different stuff in the genre. So like if you have ever enjoyed a tower defense game, you have to give this one a try. The other thing that's unbelievable to me is how deep it is, like the number of towers, the number of upgrades, the number of different abilities they have, the number of like these weird skills that you can add on. It also has a whole system where like you can increasingly make each level more difficult, but in interesting ways. It's like, I just love everything about it. And looking it up, it seems like it's a one person project. And it's again, one of these things like aside from the graphics, which are a little janky, it's crazy to me that a single person made this. And it's like a several year old game. I don't think anyone is paying much attention to it. And I just like kind of wish that my recommendation here causes everyone who listens to go out and like buy this game. It is fantastic. I cannot recommend it highly enough. Absolutely loved it. Have also sunk in so many hours on the couch playing this. It's great. Dungeon Warfare 2. If you've ever enjoyed a tower defense game, get this one. This episode of Cortex is brought to you by Setup. Setup is a great way to discover apps for every professional of a Mac and an iPhone. It has over 240 apps, all available with a single subscription. From coding to design to everyday chores such as decluttering your menu bar or cleaning up storage, Setup has top-tier software to keep at hand. Talking about decluttering your menu bar, that was a, definitely a previous state of the apps mention is Bartender. So that's available on Setup, which I love. Imagine what you could do with 240 high-quality apps all packed into one. Whether you need to develop, design, create, doesn't matter. There is an app for almost any task on Setapp, so you don't need to search through tons of web pages to find what you need. With Setapp, you can think about your tasks and what you want to get done, not your apps. A handful of apps that I'm going to be talking about in the upcoming Lightning Round segment I found on Setapp, so... Stay tuned for that. Setup has been the first place I've been going to over the last year when I have a specific problem that I want to solve. Like just a couple of days ago, I had to solve some issues in my contacts database. So I checked out Setup and found Busy Contact on Setup, downloaded it, used it, fixed my problem. But let me also mention an app that I raved about during State of the Apps last year, CleanShot X. It is the very best tool I've ever used on my Mac to take screenshots and it's available on Setup. Trust me, you want to try this one out. And considering you're listening to this episode, I assume that you care about great apps for your devices. If you do, Setup is the perfect place to help you find just that. Setup has a dedicated curation team and only selects the highest quality apps. New apps are added regularly, updates are free, and all the apps are full featured pro versions. That is a big plus in my book. And it's great value. Instead of paying what would be $8,000 in licenses for all of these applications, there's just one flat monthly fee of $9.99. Until November 30th, use the code CORTEX to get 20% off your first month. Head over to setapp.com and look for a link to redeem the code in the footer of the page. That's setapp.com with the code CORTEX, which you'll find a link to redeem at the bottom of the page. Setapp.com code Cortex for twenty percent of your first month. Our thanks to Setapp for their support of this show and all of Relay FM. It's time for our lightning round. Lightning rounds. Boom! Again, uh, lightning sounds—they're not upgrade sounds. It breaks my brain every time. Uh, <laughs> I can't do it. <laughs> okay, let's do some lightning round. Sleep plus plus. I started sleep tracking. Okay. With my Apple Watch and. 
I much prefer a couple of features of Sleep Plus Plus to Apple's built-in sleep tracking. I like the layout. I find the layout to be clearer. The way that Apple kind of draws the bubbles around everything, it doesn't really show me the information that I want. And I enjoy the increased contrast of colors between like my, you know, when I'm awake, when I'm asleep, you know, it kind of tracks that information. Mm -hmm. I also really like the readiness score. So Sleep Plus Plus takes in a bunch of factors based on how much sleep you've had and tries to make like an assessment for how prepared you should be for the day. I just like this information. Like it's like a, a, a fun little thing, and in the morning I might check it. And it kind of—I have been making some decisions recently about maybe some of the things that I might get up to in the day, or being more forgiving of myself if I'm not so mm-hmm. effective. If I realize that I did not get good sleep the night before, so I've been enjoying that. Um, I was wondering what kind of impact sleep tracking would have on my life, and I think so far it's actually had a pretty good one. If just in the fact that like. If I've had a bad night's sleep, then maybe I will be easier on myself the next day. I'm going to recommend Tally. It's a dead simple app to just t- like count up a number every time you tap on a screen. And I ended up using this in Hawaii when I was recovering from COVID. And I was trying to build up my strength by just walking up and down the world's saddest tiny hill a bunch of times. And so... It was slow enough that like I would, you know, start thinking about something else when I got back to the bottom of the hill and then forget by the time I got back up to the hill again. Like, wait, how many times have I done this? Did I do this five times or six times? And like, I love an app that just does one thing really well as like tally. If you need to count something while you're probably going to be slightly bored and forget, this is the app for you. City Mapper. Oh, wow. I feel like that's a real blast from the past. I haven't thought of city mapper in years what are you using city mapper for well so the way that i came to city mapper is i wanted to have access to something like an oyster card which is our transit card but on my iphone okay it boggles my mind that you cannot use an oyster card on an iphone like you have to have the card you can't add the card to your apple wallet and use it as nfc I can't believe that that is still true. That's that's insane. They just want you to use contactless. But I don't want to do this because then it generates like 40 transactions a month on my credit card statement, which I don't want, Mm -hmm, right? mm -hmm. So I wanted a way to be able to pay for effectively a travel card or something. But even then, if I I had a travel card for a while, so I pay once, but then it's on an Oyster card and I didn't want the card. Then someone told me about the City Mapper Pass, which is exactly this. It is a prepaid card which gives you travel around London, but it is just the same price as I was paying before. But with City Mapper, it's basically like a prepaid MasterCard is the kind of way that they do it. It's really interesting how they've made this work. City Mapper itself is only available in a set amount of cities in the world, and City Mapper Pass mm-hmm. is even more restricted in where it's available. But they send you a card, but you can choose to forego the card and have it in Apple Pay. If you have it in Apple Pay, you have to choose to either use it always on the watch or always on the phone. Again, like it's complicated the way that they've set this up, but I just have it on my phone. I have it in the express travel thing, so I don't have to activate Apple Pay. I just hold my phone near it, and it just bings, and okay. now I can go through the barriers, and it's all set. 
in doing that, I then started using CityMapper more as my transit app rather than Google Maps. And CityMapper kicks butt in London. Like, it wrecks everything else in how <laughs> good it is at telling me to get from here to here. And like, so then I started using CityMapper more and they also have like a, uh, something you can pay for to like give better routing, which I also do. And I'm super happy with it. Like it does things like it gives really good options for types of transport and like connecting. It gives you really great suggestions for where to stand on public transport for like where is the best place to be for the connection that you're going to make. And then their live activity that they just added is incredible. It's incredible. Yeah, I'm looking at these screenshots. This is really nice. Like if I was still commuting, I would totally use this every day. This is great. So, Like they've always had a thing where like when you're navigating from place to place, it can send you push notifications for like, go right here if you're walking and then like get ready to get off the train, that kind of thing, right? stop before but now they've put this in a live activity which is always there it's also in the dynamic island if you've got the phone unlocked but it's showing me like you are 115 meters away from arriving at the station it's like one of the things i showed you there are trains in three minutes nine minutes 20 minutes and then like down mm. the bottom the your final arrival time currently is this based on where you are and then when you're on the train like or getting on the train it's like get on at in a minute and get on at the back. And then when you're on the train, it's like it shows a, a train line with all of the stops and your dot moving along the line. It's unbelievably good. And then it alerts you like, hey, the next stop is your stop. Get ready to get off. Killer. So good. I am so happy with this. Uh, I, I don't know what took me so long. But CityMapper seems to be one of those things that, like, if it's in your city and you start to use it, you become one of these people that I have become, which is a CityMapper person, where I keep telling people <laughs> how good CityMapper is. I was mm. at a dinner with someone who told me this stuff, then I used it, and now I am a CityMapper person telling people <laughs> to use CityMapper. It is, I don't know how they're so good. I don't know how either Google or Apple haven't bought them. Mm. Because they seem to have a way of taking transit information and doing so much more with it, where I believe they're probably just taking the same information that any of these companies can have access to. But the way in which they present it, excellent. And they deal with things like we've having disruptions for like there's been rail strikes and stuff like that in the UK. And they, they give you a way of like if you need to get somewhere on a certain day, we can route you for that. Or when we're having our heat wave, they had like a specific routing option for air-conditioned routes oh my god yeah. wow so good like they're That's very crazy. reactive to things and like update the application with these specific things wow that looks that looks really nice yeah it's super good i'll half mention what i've said before is the closest thing for this for bikes is an app called bike citizens it's not remotely this level but it is the same thing where it's like it's bike directions in the city, but it like totally blows the regular recommendations out of the water with a bunch of options. Like, I want the easiest route. I want the fastest route. I want a nice balance of the two. Things like Apple Maps are getting better for bike routing. Like, it's definitely improving, but it's the same thing. Like, every time I look at Bike Citizens, I'm like, how has someone not bought this? I don't really understand. But, okay, my next actual lightning recommendation is an app called plant snap uh so this came up in hawaii where one day i woke up and like something <laughs> out of a nightmare the whole property was covered in these like 
weird spiky pod plants and it was very strange you may remember that I've, i messaged you some images of like <laughs> mike you won't believe like what just turned up in the garden oh, yeah. it turns out like oh they weren't really your problem or anything but anyway i was discussing this with my sister-in-law and she's like oh before you touch anything you should probably use this app called plant snap and it's exactly what it sounds like you take a picture of a plant and then it identifies what it is and tells you about it and this is another one of these things it just felt kind Kind of like magic but it worked really well like oh i'm in this jungle like i see a plant you can take a picture of it and then give it a couple seconds to analyze it and it spits back like oh here's this plant here's what you need to know about it uh this thing that looks like some kind of spiky nightmare thing it's actually not a problem at all don't worry about it so if you're surrounded by a lot of unknown plants check out plant snap there are sometimes in the lightning round there are things that come up which are like there's just absolutely no world in which I would have imagined you would have picked that you know (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to mention Snap Motion this is an app which will give you screenshots of videos Okay. so you open a video on your Mac in Snap Motion and it has a big button which is a camera icon and as you're watching the video, you can hit that button and it will spit out files onto your desktop that are images. I use this to get the thumbnails for our animated Cortex videos. So as I watch each episode of Cortex Animated in snap motion, I'm hitting the button every time there's like a frame which I think could be fun for a thumbnail. And then I look through them and choose the best ones. And they're the ones that ones or one that I will use uh, for the thumbnails for the videos. It's a really lovely little app. It's very simple, and it does exactly what I wanted. Because before, I was like taking screenshots and formatting them, but this, it like obviously, just spits it out in the right size for a video, right? Because it's just taking it from the video, and then I can just use those as the thumbnail options. Okay, that's that's what I was going to ask. So that's the reason is it's keeping the aspect ratio the same. That's the main reason to use this over just screenshotting it. Well, but also it's just easier. Like when I was screenshotting it, depending on the app that I would use, I use like CleanShot, right? It's like mm-hmm. then I might have to format it a little bit like to get it the right size. or And it's also like I have to pause and then... Right, like I pause here and I can take the screenshot, play with snap motion. You never pause, you just hit, you just keep hitting the screenshot button, and it's just throwing the screenshots onto the desktop. It's re- it's just like really simple. Hmm. I love it, it's a great little app. Keeping with the Hawaii theme, I'm also going to recommend an app called Luminos. Uh, it's, it's not specifically for Hawaii, but there's a bunch of these augmented reality look at the sky uh, apps. I've never I've never understood this. Yeah. Yeah. It's like a, it's like a strange genre of this. Yeah. But I, I spent a little time trying to figure out which of these is actually good because it's one of these things like a bunch of them are just terrible. Like they're absolutely awful. But Luminos is great. It's I think it's the best one. And It really was quite interesting when I was in Hawaii to use this. And the thing that was that's different about Luminos or or at least that they did better is it allows you to look and track things that are below the horizon. And there's I it's almost hard to describe, but it's a very interesting experience to go out into the night and be able to look around with your phone see objects like not just planets and stars but also a ton of things like satellites or the international space station and kind of see where they are 
especially when you can do this weird thing of like look through the earth below the horizon and see like oh there there's a pattern of like five starlink satellites that are going to be coming up over the horizon in a second or like there's the international space station like sort of through the earth on the opposite side i've never been one of these like constellation star people like i don't really care but it, the app is almost entirely free i think it's worth it for almost anyone to just download it and try it once as an interesting thing to look at the sky like i just i really enjoyed it and i think that this is the best version of this sort of app that exists moom moom this is an app for arranging windows on the mac so uh, our friend david sparks was bugging me for a while telling me that i should try something like this out and i did Mm. and i have and i really like it I don't yes. <laughs> use it very extensively, but I use it for like a few set things. I have a few keyboard commands now. Like one will, I have one for like kind of what I consider to be the ideal window size for if I'm using something not completely full screen, but like it takes up the majority of the screen, but still mm-hmm. with some space on the side. I use this mostly for Safari. So really it's like my ideal Safari window size. Then I have like a bunch of presets that will take windows like like 75%, 50%, 25% on each kind of left and right side. Mm-hmm. You know, so like I, I have like my, my kind of my main one and then you go one to the right, it will make it 75% and 25% just like, yeah. ma- like splits the windows apart. So then I can very easily in a couple of uh, keystrokes have one window fill 25%, one window fill 75%. And I have some preset ones that will take two windows and put them side by side to each other and one that will basically put a window bang in the middle of the screen. So these are just like simple keyboard shortcuts that I have for things that I was finding myself doing a lot to kind of help me out with some window management stuff. Moom comes with a bunch of presets and it's also really easy to make them. You basically, you have like a tile and you just draw the amount of space you want yeah. each window to take up. It's very simple. You can also save like presets of window arrangement in the application as well. Um, I found it to be very simple, very powerful, um, and I, I, I really like it. Yeah, I'm, I'm just going to second this as uh, another one of these kind of apps. Like, if you don't use something like this, you don't know what you're missing out on. My version of this is Divi, but they're the same. Like, there's a bunch of apps that do this kind of thing. And if you haven't used your computer with a window manager like this, you really are just like, you don't know what you're missing. Mm. The thing that I do, which I've really settled on that works great for me for everything that I do, is divide the screen into roughly fifths. So there's like the left-hand side, there will be an app that takes up like, actually, is it fifths or is it sixths? Or is it sevenths? <laughs> yeah, I was just like, wait a minute. I'm just, I'm just like counting five and I realized like, oh, that actually doesn't work. No, it's divided into one, two, three, four, five. Oh, it's divided into sixths. Yeah, there we go. So I, I have something that's like two sixths on the left-hand side, three sixths, so about a half of the screen in the center, and then like one sixth all all the way on the other side of the screen. And like that little arrangement is fantastic for me in terms of I can have two things that I'm working on that are pretty big, although one of them is slightly bigger. And then there's a little strip for everything that's like the status of what's going on. So I'll leave like OmniFocus on that little strip or Timery on that little strip or like right now Skype is and uh, like QuickTime recording the audio or in that little strip. 
being able to just move stuff around with keyboard commands on the screen into whatever works best for you in terms of sizes and ratios. Like you just have to have this on your computer. It's it's just just required. Uh, it took me a while to be sold on it, right? Like I was like, I don't need this. I don't need this. I know everyone yeah. thinks the same thing. They're like, I don't need it. How much better it is is it actually? And and like I think when I get a new computer, that might be one of the, like easily the first three apps that I put on there. Like I need this immediately. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm just noticing that like the next thing that was on my list is Tide Guide, which again, where might I have been yeah. when I needed to know where the tides are? That, that reminders <laughs> list is paying dividends for you right now. <laughs> yeah, it really is. If you're in a place where the tides really matter, like say, I don't know, the middle of the Pacific Ocean, there's a ton of tide apps. Tide Guide heads and shoulders above the rest. Wow, this it's is a beautiful so app. good. Isn't it? Yeah. It's crazy nice. You never knew that you could want so many options for how and when you're displaying the tide. But it's like, man, this is a thing that I totally wanted. And like, it really matters depending on where you are. It's just like, obviously the best version of this. So yeah, Tide Guide for tracking tides. I'm going to go with Sticker Drop next. So iOS 16 added that feature of being able to like tap and hold on somebody mm -hmm. and you can drag them out, right? It's object detection is what there it is. There you go. And you can drag those images out and like do, I don't know, do something with them. Sticker Drop is an app that lets you drag and drop people or things into this app and make them iMessage stickers. Oh, nice. It feels to me like really the only good use of that new feature in iOS 16. Like I have not found a good use for it otherwise. But this is like this way. Your friend sends you a picture and they've got kind of a funny look on their face. You can now take that and use it as a sticker and send it to them forever. And this is what me and some of my friends have been doing recently. <laughs> and Sticker Drop is so good. <laughs> That's cute. Yeah, that, that is an actual nice use for that feature. You have an image that becomes a meme in a friend group, which we also have. Now, instead of sending the image each time, you can send it as an iMessage sticker, like attach it to an image. It's really good. And it's revived iMessage stickers for me again as a thing that I care about. <laughs> uh, I'm going to group three things together because they're basically the same thing. They're the apps brain.fm. Pizzizz. Pizzizz. Uh, Pizzizz. Yeah. yeah, I guess. This is like an old, Pizzizz is an old school like app that I remember from a long time ago of like a, a sleep timing app kind of thing. It was all about sleep. Yeah, I think they had, I think when they started, they had a bigger sleep focus. Yeah. And Portal is the third one, which is like white noise sounds. I've mentioned them before, but I'll just, I'll mention them again. Like they're, the first two are different versions of like, auto-generated music while you're working and the last one is just kind of like soundscapes to have on in the background and i just use these a lot the music in the two is is a little bit different which is why like depending on what i'm doing if i'm like reading i tend to use pazizzi or paziz and if i'm working <laughs> i tend to use brain.fm and on iOS, they both work great with Portal. So you could have like a background of, ooh, there's some like forest sounds. And then you have the music that's a layer on top of this. And a lot of times when I'm working or if I'm reading, uh, I'm using some combination of those three to just be listening into the in my headphones. And it really does help keep you focused. It's like just to have something to listen to that's not as distracting as as even um, like melodic music. It's just like a soundscape in the background. 
I use those three a lot. Really like them. Yeah, this is blunt. this is like a real blast from the past for me. Pazis is sixteen years old. It used to be wow. a hardware device. It's pre iPhone, obviously. I didn't realize that. Yeah. Huh. I'm gonna recommend Locket. Locket is a widget. It's a widget for iOS. And the idea is you use Locket to send pictures to loved ones. So you okay. open the app and you can take a picture of something or yourself and send it to someone and it appears in the widget on their home screen. So it automatically will update and show them that image. Oh, okay. Huh. This is an adorable app. Me and Adina use it. We send funny pictures to each other and it's just like a little treat. You know, maybe every day, every couple of days, a new image will pop up on my phone uh, that she sent me. Um, I really love this application, and I think it's like great for like friends and loved ones and that kind of stuff. You can send people little fun things every now and then. It's added a bunch of features over time. Like you can add little emoji reactions every month. It makes a little video for you of the things that you've sent back and forth. You can send little messages to each other. You can save the images. It really is a, a great little app. And you can send the little locket images to everyone that you share lockets with or certain people or certain groups. Uh, it's really cool. Really, really great app. So it's a really cute idea, and it's a very cute name for it. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that, that's a really adorable concept for something to do. I, I like that. That's that's really cute. Okay. So this is really dumb, but there's two like Apple apps I just want to highlight because they have like m- minor features okay. that people might just not realize. So I'm gonna recommend the Find My app in the lightning round. Okay. And I'm, give Apple like, some help here. You know what I mean? They, they need some users. I am going to give them some help, but, but it is a thing where, you know how you're like, oh, you're a city mapper evangelist. I feel like I've become a kind of evangelist for Find My when people don't use AirTags. It's like, listen right. to me. You don't understand how absolutely life-changing it is if you stick an AirTag on like everything yep. you might ever yep. care about and then... Don't ever look for your wallet again. Your default position should be open find my app and where is it? Or like where are my keys? Or where where is it? Like I put air tags on like everything. And it's so nice when like I go to look for something and if I can't find it instantly, it's like that find my app is open immediately. And this, like lots of things, like Moom and other things we've talked about, it falls into the category of people think, how nice is it really? It's like, no, it's life-changingly nice. You don't understand. Like, it seems like it shouldn't be a lot more effort, but it's great. It's like, I think the most life-changing thing for me was buying those new Apple AirPods that like can now track the case. Oh, yeah. And and to and to me, this is one of these things where it gets like, how did I live before I could just find oh. where that goddamn case I've is? I've used it multiple <laughs> times already. I love the new AirPods Pro. I love it. Yeah. People, you should use it. It's so nice. And I just want to call out a little thing. It's an annoyance that got fixed in the Workouts app, but I'm just going to mention it here because, again, it's like you might not have used it for this reason. Workouts had this dumb thing where if you're tracking walks, it would always like update you of like, hey, you've walked every mile. And didn't you want to know that? I'm always like, no, Apple, I didn't. So in the Workouts app, you can now set a bunch of custom workouts. And one of the things you can do is tell them like, never notify me about this. I don't want to know what my splits are. I don't want to know when it's been a mile. And it's a hidden feature, but I don't know where else to call it out here. Like you can set up a custom workout and then just 
don't turn on any of the notifications. And I'm so happy about this because every morning when I'm at my treadmill desk and I'm walking and I'm writing my scripts, you know what I don't want to know? Hey, you just went a mile. Yeah, shut the up i'm working like i don't <laughs> care uh and it was like it was so maddening so anyway workouts app they can finally allow you to turn off notifications i'm gonna recommend elsewhere again i mm-hmm. spoke about this last time but i love this app and it's continued to get better over time it is an app that gives you discord time codes and time zones that you can paste into other apps. So in Discord, you can add these codes, oh, these strings right, right. in that give relative time. So you add this code in a, like a string of numbers and letters into the app. I'm not explaining this well, but it's complicated for me to explain. And then it, when it formats in the message view for everyone to see, it shows them the time in their own time zone. So it's all relative stuff. Mm-hmm. Which is very cool if you want to say such and such thing is happening at four o'clock on Thursday for you, and it might be nine a.m. for someone else, twelve p.m. for someone else. No matter where they are in the world, they'll see it in their local time. This is really good if you run any kind of Discord community. Uh, also, I use it as a way to you can you can in the app say like put in a time and date, and it can give you some pre-formatted flags and time zones that you can copy and paste onto social media or something like that. It got a great new design in the past year, so it's really easy to get these codes very quickly. Uh, I really love this app. I think it's super smart, super well-made, and meets something that I find really useful that I wouldn't have been able to do otherwise. Like, There is a way to calculate yourself the way that these codes work in Discord, but it is Mm -hmm. unbelievably complicated for me to work it out. So I really, really like it. I think it's super smart and it's an app that I recommend people check out if they spend time in Discord. <laughs> I was just looking at my list. I was like, I've got Diffusion Bee on here. Like if you want to see a preview of the end of the world, you can play around with this AI art app. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> we've talked about that plenty. This is another like re-up one, but it, it's a little app, teeny tiny app. It's for your watch. It's just called Better Day. It's a different way to display calendars in the complications on your watch. It wasn't working for a while, and then the developer updated again, and I was so happy of like, oh, great, I can put this on here. I mainly love it because on my work watch face, I like to have a little dial that counts down the whole year. So it just shows me a little progress bar of like, here's how much of the year is left. Super tiny, but it's just something I really like to have on the watch. I have two more mm-hmm. things. They're both made by the same developer and are in the same kind of remit. Home Pass and Home Paper. Okay. So as I moved recently, I'm kind of rebuilding my home automation stuff. I, if you've used any HomeKit products, you'll know that like you get these little QR codes on the HomeKit product that you need to scan to like add mm-hmm. it to HomeKit. And if you've ever, say, like set up a smart plug, you've put it in and you've put some furniture in the way, if something ever goes wrong with that smart plug and you want to re-add it to HomeKit, you've got to get to the code to scan it, to re-add it to HomeKit again. What HomePass does is an app where you can categorize all of your products. You can scan the QR code. It pre-fills it with the number. And then you basically have, effectively a database of all of the smart home devices that you have in your home, and it actually uses HomeKit 
to show you what you've got so you can tap it and add the code. It's like it looks at what's in your home as well, which is very smart. And so you can make sure you've got everything categorized because it would be like, oh, you haven't added this thing yet, which is very clever. And then, so once you've got that, in the future, if you ever need to add something to HomeKit again, you can grab the code from there or you can, it's on multiple devices. You have an iPad. You can use the iPad to bring up the QR code and scan it with your iPhone. It's just a way of dealing with the inevitable time when you have to re-add something to HomeKit, yep. which is buried under a piece of furniture. Such a pain in the ass. Yes. This is a great recommendation. So it was one of those things where I thought, now I'm starting from scratch. I'm going mm-hmm. to make a point of adding everything to HomePass so I'll save myself. Like future Mike is going to be saved a problem here. Yes, yeah. And then home paper. So you can set wallpapers in HomeKit for your house in each room. The options Apple give you all kind of suck. Yeah, they're terrible. They're all bad. And using images, which you can choose your own images, is too noisy, right? Mm -hmm. Because it's like full color or whatever. HomePaper is an app that lets you use images of each room or whatever you might want. But they do it in like a monochrome way as like a monochrome filter to the image, which you can then Mm. customize with color. And also it prioritizes the image you're choosing in the top right-hand corner, which is typically not used by HomeKit. Oh, nice. Right. So it will let you create your own wallpapers of rooms in your home so you can at a glance more easily understand which room you're looking at in HomeKit as you're scrolling through. Very clever. Nice. All right. I'm going to finish off then with Quitter, which is a a little app by Marco that I really like. And Quitter is for your Mac. It sits in your menu bar and you can just tell it to add a little rule to if I haven't touched an app on my desktop in a certain amount of time, either hide it or quit it. And I love this. I love this for keeping my computer neat and tidy. And it's also just so nice when it kind of like resets my work computers to a nice default state every morning when I go to them. So it's like, hey, I can hide all of this stuff or I can quit stuff that I haven't used. And it's just like it it feels like it's my computer tidying itself up automatically. And it's just the, it's such a simple thing, but it makes a real difference in the quality of life for using my computer. So quitter to automatically close or hide stuff that you're not using. Love it. So let's use that to close this episode. Yes. That was State of the Apps of 2023. So you know what's next now. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Yearly themes. Next comes themes. It's theme time. So if you are not familiar, go to yearlythemes.com. You can go there and you'll find out more about what a yearly theme is and also find out a little bit more about the Theme System Journal, which is a perfect companion to yearly themes. We'll talk about that next time. Uh, I think I've got my theme set. I think I'm, I feel pretty confident and I hope that you all will get ready to come on this journey with us as we review what 2022 has been right? and talk about what we want 2023 to look like. All right. See you for themes, Mike. <laughs>